friends. Welcome to another episode of Opting Out. Opt Out. Um, we're going to do things a little bit differently this time. Usually I do the intro kind of just before I you know, jump into it with our guests, but um, I always let God lead. So today we had things done a bit differently. So I am going to do kind of an intro and then we'll jump into the interview that I did. Um, today we had Mr. Jefferson Moore as our guest today. If you guys have not heard of him yet, you need to. He's amazing. Um, he is an actor and a producer. He has his own film studio, and um, he has produced some really amazing films that has really impacted my life and um, where I'm at. And honestly, I've heard has no good has a, had a great following uh, as well. Um, my favorite is uh, The Perfect Stranger. So. You guys Google that. It is on Pureflix. It is on Amazon um, and check it out. But um, in the meantime, he has agreed to come on our podcast and just uh, talk with me about his film studio and what his inspiration has been, what it's like making movies, what it's like being an actor and actor and director. Um, just some really neat things as well as you know, some things that he has going on um, with all the different changes that are going on in, in this world that are happening to all of us. So it's really neat to hear his perspective, um, along with just kind of seeing how it relates to all the things that we all go through. So um, I'm excited for you guys to, to watch this, to see this. You guys, definitely check him out. Uh, he's amazing, and, and his films are great. Um, one of the things that I love as a highlight from that was that um, he doesn't make Christian film. He makes something that is um, relatable and, and able to be digested and um, enjoyed. So um, it's definitely a good descriptor of uh, what I have seen. So that being said, enjoy. Thanks so much for being here. And I pray each and every one of you who watch this, whenever you watch this, will be able to get something valuable out of it because we know how God is. He has a way of doing things in ways that we do not expect. So love all of you. And we're so glad you're here wherever you are. And we will jump right in. I wanted to ask you, like, about your, I guess, like, you have a whole production studio, you do your own movies, you do your own distrib distribution, it seems, right? Yeah, we, we own all the rights to everything that, that we've ever produced. So, yeah, we are our own distributors, and we work with sub-distributors to, to get our things out there. So, yeah, uh, we've That's, been independent from day, from day one, yeah. That is so smart. And, I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like I should bring it up. One of the things that I was enjoying, um, The Chosen, have you had a chance to come across that yet? Yes, I have. Yeah, I actually, uh, Dallas is a friend. Dallas actually helped us get our start um, really? kind of in a backwards way. Yeah, um, da Dallas's dad, you know, his dad, right? He okay, so yeah. yeah, so the uh, way back when, again, probably before you were born, um, <laughs> I'm just assuming you're because you're you really you look really young. So I just I'll take it. Really um, the production company that got the rights to uh, to do the uh, movie of um, the Left Behind books was based here in Louisville, mm -hmm. and we kind of went to church together. We we weren't really good friends, but anyway, Dallas actually since he was actually here in Louisville working as their intern, so. All the interaction I had with that company, I did I did a couple of bids for them. Um, all the interaction I had with him, I met Dallas through that. He was pretty much the flunky. So then, you know, he grew up and moved away and stuff and started making movies. So we really kind of stayed in touch. So when we made our first film, when we didn't know what we were doing, we didn't know how you got distribution or anything. It was about 
about 10 months and we just gotten a bunch of no's and a bunch of no's and a bunch of no's. And I knew that, that uh, uh, Dallas was out in LA at the time. And uh, I said, I said, Dallas, can you help me out? I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm, I'm good at getting rejections, but you know, and he says, well, you, re you really need a rep. Mm. And uh, I said, never thought about that. So uh, he gave us a guy that he trusted and that guy got us our first deal and everything else happened from there. And so, you know, literally, literally we, we, you know, I would be, I would be asking if you wanted fries right now, instead of doing an interview about my studio, if it weren't for Dallas. So that's amazing. He's a part of your yeah. history. Gosh. He's a good guy. He, he's, he's really down to earth and, you know, he's just an all around good guy. Um, he, he lived, he, he walks the walk and he's still fun, you know, and, um, he doesn't have, there's not two Dallas's. There's just one. Dallas, right. The know? same one. I ran into yeah. once. It's funny how that happened. So we ran into the chosen, like on pure flicks and I was just like, Whoa, this is so awesome. And I just, I mean, the way they were doing the pay it forward and, and, and the way it was, they wanted to spread it. And I just saw God really moving in that. And so we, we, um, what do you call it? Um, we donated or sponsored or however you call it, you know, we did a sponsor level and then they did a grand, oh, not a grand opening. They did a, a showing of their Christmas episode last November. And right. we were like, oh, we could be in DC for then. And so we got to go, we actually brought the whole family, <laughs> including the children. We, uh, we went to the showing and then um, I stayed behind and got to kind of say, hey, and and um and shake hands and you could tell us very excited it was kind of like a movie opening they did for the christmas episode yeah. but yeah so so i got to kind of run to him and and um very shortly shake his hand say he's doing awesome and totally impactful but yeah it seemed he's you know the uh, very down to earth a yeah. lot of supporters people who know him very very laid back which is really cool so <laughs> so yeah well that's really what, so what they pulled off was amazing yes yes i agreed and um are you involved in in that project at all not no i we invested a little bit at the beginning just so i could have a, a front row seat to seeing things so outside of that no it's it's these he doesn't need me that's for sure well, it's funny just how things orbit though right how our orbits just kind of come around each other and i just like what you're doing and i honestly i'd love to see your stuff especially the stranger stuff like i don't know put out there so much more because um i you know i, I love watching jesus themed things especially set in you know, today's and how people see things today. I love it. I'm very drawn to it because um, a lot of people are curious. And um, um, with your, with the way you do it, I, I love the apologetics part of it, you know, that, but then also still kind of the relational part of it as well that you bring out, which I haven't really seen in, and I haven't seen a bunch, but you know, between the, the, the couple I have seen, like the encounter series, if you have not seen it, um, they, and I think it's made by or distributed by Pureflix, but um, they have a whole, a couple of movies and a, and a series that they did that, that shows kind of some interaction similar to yours, but after yours, right? So it might have even been, been inspired. Right. And, and I actually wondered the other day, was um, um, one of your episodes of The Stranger, was it, uh, inspired, did it inspire um, The God's Not Dead, right? <laughs> yeah, we, are, we actually had to check on that. <laughs> we we actually checked on that. Uh, somebody kind of brought that to our attention. So, okay, we'll check it out. I'm like, okay, well, we won't go down that rabbit hole. So, yeah. Right, but yeah, because I was like, it seems like it was inspired by it. I don't know if you guys were connected or if you guys are, you know, uh, or anything like, like that. But yes, I I was like, wait a minute. This seems very, very familiar. <laughs> yeah, we, we heard that from a few people. 
<laughs> well, just in my, but you, you were doing it first, and it seems like it's created this whole neat um, expansion of, of people kind of playing with that. But um, but I'd love to know what inspired you to do that. I mean, to take that on, to, to play the role of Jesus. That's huge. <laughs> it, yeah, it just happened. Nothing, nothing was really planned. It was just like an unfolding. Um, just like your, your life is unfolded. It's just something that uh, was in front of me. And we kind of said, ah, let's, let's just kind of, I'm, I'm big, I'm not much of a go-getter and I'm really not much of a um, visionary. I tend to pull the oars in a lot and just see what the current's doing because the current knows more than I do. Um, and that was, that was one such case. Um, you know, I, I had read this book, somebody gave me as a gift and I, I'm not even an avid reader. And, uh, you know, I read the book and I said, wow, that just really impressed upon me a good way of explaining things. And, and things kind of progressed from there. I said, you know, this is really, this this would be a good, you know, for people to use to talk to people. And I thought, oh, this would make a nice film. This would kind of be kind of cool. You're really drawn into this kind of dialogue. Speaking about our first movie, um, how it happened. And and it did, it really resonated with people. And, and you know, we we kind of built on that with a, with a few more, a uh, few more projects. So the first one was the stranger, the dinner one. That was, that was the first movie. Yeah, you did. That, was, yeah that was, that was the, that was one based on the book, um, the book I received. Cool. Okay. I wasn't sure which one came first. I didn't really look too much at the dates or the production, but, um, but that's kind of what you, you'd said to do first and did the production studio come before or after the movie? Uh, as far as being in business, as far as Kelly's Filmworks, um, we, I had quit my real job. I had quit my real job about a couple of years earlier and, and started acting full time. And then I kind of got, I, I was in a pilot out of LA and did some other things. And then I got interested in working behind the camera and doing some writing. So I think, you know, I, we had started acquiring some equipment probably about two years before um, we did Perfect Stranger. So, you know, I started getting my feet wet with some smaller projects and whatnot. And I was still, you know, very much of a working actor. So, um, so that was probably our big, that was probably our first marketable um, effort was the Perfect Stranger. But the studio was in place before that. That is so neat. Yes, I just, yeah. I always hear about how hard it is to do any of those things. And it sounds like it just all kind of fell into place. Well, we had no money, we had no experience, we had very little help, a lot of borrowed equipment. <laughs> so it was kind of, well, all right. So we, you know, nobody was more surprised at the success of it than we were, um, especially knowing where it came from. You know, you know, somebody said, well, yeah, we'll do it. You know, if we have to, we'll sell it out of the back of a van, you know, and try to get some of this back because we, you know, we had a lot we had a lot of wheeling dealing going on to get it made and then when it turned out to just catch on the way it did and you know those first few broadcasts we had and well we had a theatrical run as well wow and so we're so surprised at the response to it we weren't ready for it like i said we weren't on some holy mission to where we're we're going to spread the gospel to the mountaintops we were, we were making a film mm -hmm. um when when we first made the first perfect stranger I mean, we really, we did not see it as this awakening of the gospel, although that was a great story. We saw it as an independent film that people would find interesting. Mm -hmm. um, if you look up a, an art house, we, we saw it as an art house movie. Mm -hmm. We saw it as, you know, you know um, 
along the lines of My Dinner with Andre, mm -hmm. which was really popular, really popular amongst the eggheads and the mm -hmm. independent people. Mm -hmm. my, my dog, but my dog Budkus is in the house. If you hear footsteps, <laughs> that's him. And uh, so that's kind of how we envisioned it. And it really caught on with people, believers and non-believers as well. And I think we were more surprised by the non-believers that really took to it, took to the betrayal and took to, you know, the content that was in it that we said, okay, well, the churchy people are going to like it, of course. <laughs> it, was, it was the people that said, hey, I'd never heard it explained this way before. Or the people that said, you know, if I'd heard it this way, I wouldn't have left the church because the church mm -hmm. has made me feel bad. It made me feel mm -hmm. yep. like, you know, like a criminal. Yep, um, so we were really surprised and when it caught on. And then, you know, we were getting all this feedback and the movie was selling in, in any outlet could it be sold. It was getting sold and people were wanting to license it and change doors were wanting to pick it up. And I kept wanting to say, do you know we did this on a borrowed camera? <laughs> and we, were, we were like working like 16 hour days because we didn't know you can't do that. And I was I was wearing I was literally wearing a, a borrowed suit. Do you guys know that? And uh, people people didn't seem to care. It probably makes it more more like you enjoy it more. I love that background. It reminds me of Gideon, right? You can't really take credit when something works out just so perfectly. <laughs> no, you really can't. And we, and we really never have. Yeah, we, we really never have. We said, you know, that it just shows that the mess that it's it's a timeless message. It's kind of deep within all of us. And when you hear it with the right ears, it's familiar to you. And I think that's I think that's kind of what happened with it. It's like his story is going to his story is going to resonate no matter who's doing it, because it's a simple story. It's not complicated. Um, the, the, the points he makes are, like I said, they're not, it's not like taking a, a, getting a law degree, you know, believe in the gospel, not like mm -hmm. getting a law degree. You've really got to be smart to do this. You really got to mm -hmm. know it's a, it's a simple message that, that resonates with, with everybody with a pulse when it's they have the true. ears to hear it. Yeah. And I think that's what made yours so special. Like, especially the first one, it was um, like you said, it, it did have kind of that independent, artsy feel to it you know you didn't do a whole lot of extra you know you just really let it you know the characters and and they had no money for extra <laughs> <laughs> well that also contributed to it too but you know it's really it focuses doesn't distract and i feel like a lot of the stuff even some of the independent stuff and i've kind of been a bit out of touch <laughs> for, for a little while now when it comes to what's what's in and, and everything even being in austin like i said backyard right i've never gone to any of the independent film festivals or in South by I've never been to it um, or ACL, but um, but I I'd say it was neat hearing um, what you chose because there's so much you could have you know uh, addressed right when you had in that conversation um, and the questions and I love that she asked the hard questions you know the things that they don't tell you about at church I mean how many people I don't know if you've um, um, if you're into apologetics or not um you, you you're very good at delivering it <laughs> so so i would assume maybe you 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 were you have a natural gift for for delivering it and portraying it but um answers in genesis which are the people that are behind um the ark and the the creation museum and all that um their founder is australian um his name is ken ham he's actually very he's actually a really neat person to listen to, to speak and he you know because of his upbringing um, felt led to build the ARP one day. He, and his big thing was, you know, whenever children are hearing 
about that story, usually in the book, you know, it's the little boat and the animals are busting out of the boat and, and it's hard to see it as history, you know? And so he said, you go to school and I say, oh, you know, let me tell you the history. And then you go to, you know, Sunday school and let me tell you a story. <laughs> and so these children are, are, are hearing it and then they go to college and people right. start asking all these questions and they can't answer. They're like, they were told when they were young, like they say, hey, you know, school is saying evolution. How does that resonate? And they're like, that's okay, little Johnny, just believe in Jesus. This is him, how he does his delivering. <laughs> just believe in Jesus, you'll be fine. And so they'll attack you. That's his big thing about Genesis 1-1, which is their ministries. It's like, there's an attack on the beginning. And if that attacks the foundation, which is Jesus, doesn't really stand very well. And so um, I remember when I came across that on Pure Flex, and I was like, whoa, you know, I need to learn apologetics. I need to understand because for me, everybody's different how they've grown up and whether they believe or when they believe or how that goes. And my story, personally, I I, um, I always kind of knew God very young, but it's because I grew up in a very difficult situation and that God calls us at different times for different reasons. And um, and so I kind of had that protection and I, I would just, I just believed. I didn't really ask the questions. I'm not one of those because we need all kinds. I'm kind of like, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> and so I'd go learn you know, evolution. And it's so funny. It wasn't until like years, like I was a grown up, probably maybe with children by that point when I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> that doesn't add up, you know, the two conflict. And before you just, I kind of compartmentalized it, right? I learned this here, but I know God, Jesus, Christ, I know they are real. I hear from them and have that relationship. And so the other thing was just what you, you know, you do when you're in school, but not everybody's like that. And so they go to college and all that curiosity comes in and people start asking like, what about, you know, uh, Buddhism or what about uh, Wicca? You know, what about all the other things that are out there? Um, and they don't really have that foundation. So I feel like churches don't teach that. I didn't learn a lot of that stuff until watching some of these shows. And I'm like, oh, like Answers in Genesis things. And as well as some of the stuff that you were doing. And then starting, and I read C.S. Lewis. So I got super interested in reading mere Christianity when I even learned about what apologetics was as a grown-up. <laughs> so, you know, so I, I say all of that wondering for you, I know you said it didn't start out that way, but I'm guessing, I guess, what did it kind of turn into as you saw the, the, uh, um, the response? What it turned into was, was the, like I said, it was the non-believers that said, if I'd heard it this way, or I always thought this, and, um, what I liked about David Gregory's book, again, I'm not, I'm not going to take credit for the dialogue or anything like that because you know I was I was adapting a, a novel, so it had already been written before me, so I, I take no credit for that anyway. Um, I liked the concise because um, the way it transcended from a just close your eyes and believe type story to me, I thought it was a good debate, and that's why. And that, that's one of the reasons too, because I'm, you know, I'm a stickler for the, people are a stickler for the truth. And if you can prove, you know, facts and things like that. So what appealed to me about it and when I found out from the feedback, you know, the people that it was, the people you didn't think were going to respond to it, even atheists, mm -hmm. uh, we heard from them. We have heard of literally thousands of people. We, we, we made that in 2004. So for 18 years, we have, we've been getting, we've been getting this kind of feedback. But what, what appealed to me about the story and, and evidently appealed to everybody else was it didn't just say close your eyes and believe. It's like, you know, it really broke down facts and logic. Like, well, if this is this, then how did this happen? And how did this? And in the book, in the original novel, um, the character the character having dinner was was a, not only a man, but it was also like um, an engineer at a... Mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. 
environmental company. Mm -hmm. So when I adapted for the screen, I said, first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna make it a woman. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna change from a man to a woman. Mm -hmm. And I'm also gonna make the character an attorney mm -hmm. because I wanted somebody who, I wanted to, to play up the fact, number one, women yeah. are, you know, some women every now and then tend to be argumentative. And <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and attorneys are always so I thought, who is the most argumentative person in the world besides a nine-year-old is going to be a female attorney. I said, that's, mm -hmm. that's classic. It's, mm -hmm. it's stereotypical, but I don't mm -hmm. care. Mm -hmm. But I loved, I loved in the dialogue, how he held up to all of her questions and didn't just say, well, I don't, don't ask any questions. Just believe it and shut up. Mm -hmm. He broke it down to where mm -hmm. she finally, I mean, I know, a few things were strong in arguments, but for the most part, everything was okay. You have no end, you know. Yep. You drop the argument, which is you know the number one thing in debate. Don't drop your argument. Right. And he right. never dropped the argument. So I'm big on that. I'm um, and this is something I never say it out loud because I never talk in church. But something <laughs> we kept talking about apologetics versus you know history and whatnot. It's just. My big thing is like, if I could like make, you know, this was criticized church. If I could criticize <laughs> one thing in every church I've attended in the church where, you know, the, my home church now is stop saying Bible story. Yeah. Stop saying Bible character because that mm -hmm. sounds like fiction. It's we don't, true. Mm -hmm. we don't call, we don't call the battle of Valley Forge, the, the, the Valley Forge story. We call it the battle. <laughs> of, it's a historical account. We don't right. call it George. We don't call George Washington a American character. We call him somebody who actually lives. So I said, you know, so if I could change anything, but it won't change because I never say anything in church. But I would say, drop that vernacular. It it was historic. The, the Bible is historically accurate. It is, mm -hmm. it is documented. We know this because there is evidence. Archaeologists, yeah. there is evidence. That doesn't get played up enough. And then we wonder, like, why do they think we're saying fairy tales? Like, well, because you're using the word story and yeah. character. It's true. And then you write the thing. Actually, I don't know if you've ever listened to Ken. I would Google when you have time and see if you can find some of his talks. His name is Ken Ham. And I think you will really enjoy it. I, I feel like God makes us all different to come together to the tapestry. And we all have our different giftings. What I love about listening to him is he is very aggressive, but in a good way right? Like the way he does it, it's one of those ways where you're like, yeah. And that's what he talks about. It's like, how are you going to expect somebody to, to see this as true to fact? And they're going, he calls it Greekifying. He says, the schools are Greekifying people now. <laughs> and they go to Sunday school and they're like, let me tell you a story. And he's like, you can't compete with that, you know? And they get older and then it, it's they're just frustrated because no one's answering right, any of their questions. Right. <laughs> so I would totally listen to his, just any of them. Actually, what I love about their ministry is they've got like neuroscientists and physicists and astrophysicists that talk about like the questions that people ask right instead of just saying this is an inconvenient question we're just going to move you aside or just say you're an unbeliever or label you as a heretic or whatever right but he actually has these people like you carbon dating that's one of the things i love about the ark as i was like okay the ark is built but now what like is it just a boring place like what is it and he spends like that whole space is used to talk about these questions People walk through it and they they like, how did you fit all these animals in here? What did you, even to the point, what did you do with, you know, their waste? You know, where did people eat? How did you keep, how, you know, they deal with all of those questions to show that this is a real thing that happened, even to the, the um, what do you call it, um, 
um, there's uh, accounts, like accounts of other cultures that talk about some sort of a flood story, you know, and to, to show that there's a bit of cooperation um, within it. And so I think that's very brave. And the fact that it's just been right. blessed because they got it up so quickly, but he actually has talks that he does. Um, they have a whole like center um, there as a part of where they're at, where people, different people come and do talks and different things. But what I was saying, but his style is definitely his style, right? Like you'll, you'll do the debating. I think him and Bill Nye have <laughs> gone at it a couple of times. Um, and he's come out and <laughs> looked at the place. And, and so I think you definitely need those people who call it out, right? And I think he even goes to church somewhere nearby there. But, um, but I, I think that you're right, you know, that that, that does do us a disservice um, using that vernacular and, and taking away from it as being a historical account. Because I even noticed it feels weird for me to say it because I'm not used to hearing it, right? We say what we've heard and have been fed. And so I have to very purposely mm -hmm. say, you know, historical account or history, but it does feel funny because it's not how I was raised and seeing it that way with all the evidence that's there, you know, and, and church is a church. And that, that would be my criticism. And I think you can't criticize personally, but, but I think because that's what Jesus did. Did he not? <laughs> Woe to you. <laughs> he called it like it was like, I'm not that aggressive with it. Like he makes us all different. I'm more on the gentle side, the way I do it. But, um, but I, I, I've heard so many people who say, I love God, but I don't feel like I'm welcome in the church. I don't feel like that I would be welcome. I feel like that would be talked about. And I'm like, you probably are right, you know, um, because of, yeah. I mean, church today has its own culture, right? Its own set of ways that things are done and people accept. Um, and so, you know, not everybody's going to feel welcome um, in that environment. Although your relationship with God has really not a whole lot to do with what people yeah. are choosing to do in a building. <laughs> so, and people right. don't really know that. And so when we're traveling and like, I talk a lot about God just because of what he's done in my life. That's just, that's just who I am. I just like, God has done so much for me. So it's in, in my conversations and it's me because people who aren't even believers don't mind me at all. They actually love hearing my stories. So I told me the other day, I'm like a walking anecdote. anecdote. I'm just always <laughs> telling stuff by stories because that's just how I see things. But we were in a store one day and I don't know what I was talking about. And they're like, oh, um, what do they say? Are, are you Christian or, or, you know, those things which are very loaded terms these days. And I'm like, I'm team Jesus. <laughs> he was like, okay, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but it's sweet because the, the guard comes down. Right. And, and but we're, we're being, and it's getting worse, of course, which is supposed to get worse. Yeah. Um, there's more your team, my team. Um, yes. In everything, yes. like, Within, inside your own house yet for some <laughs> my team, your team and that makes it a little harder as well because you know immediately you know you're on the wrong team um and it, it really does come back so it kind of makes it hard because again i think i think we all have handlers and the handlers the handlers do better when we're like this yes um, yep mm -hmm. so I, I bet that's a big problem so it, it really you know, I, I think on a, on, a, on a big stage, it's getting harder to do because our big stage has got some really scary people on it that you see that that claim to represent what we believe. And I think that's a disservice. I always, I always said, um, it was from a book by a guy named Bob Reiner called Roaring Lambs. And I think it was written back in the early 2000s. A friend of mine that was, is an actress uh, gave it to me a long time ago. She was on Seinfeld, by the way. Oh, the cigar store. Do you did you ever watch Seinfeld? Oh, I've seen a couple of episodes here and there. 
Okay. Um, but I don't know if I saw that one. <laughs> she I saw the fair she... square episode. <laughs> fair square, okay. Didn't see, didn't see the cigar story. Uh, but anyway, she gave me this, this book by Bob Reiner called Roaring Lambs. And the whole gist of the book was the world is not going to get changed by the televangelists and, you know, the people with the big stage and the lights. The people are going to get changed by people like um, Tony Dungy. Um, people that are admired and strong in their faith, but, you know, they're strong in the faith because they're strong in their faith, not because they're a televangelist or they have a, a you know, a Jesus theme park. Those, you know, those people are almost doing a disservice sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, you know, an influencer is going to be Tony Dungy. Like, do, do you know, do you follow sports? So I'm, cause I'm going to use a lot of sports. No, that's you okay. Cause I'm going to go back and Google them later. Some of it I do know, but go ahead. Do you know, who Tony, do you know who Tony Dungy is? Yeah. <laughs> but okay. you can tell me, tell me. <laughs> you know, he, he played in the NFL. He coached. He's one of the most successful uh, coaches. Um, he coached uh, Tampa Bay mm -hmm. and he coached at Indianapolis, went to the Super Bowl, wow. beat, beat, beat the Bears. Um, but anyway, he is, he is just this strong man of faith, but he's at the top of his game. He's, he's mm -hmm. not, the, all eyes are not on him because he is a televangelist. All eyes are on him because he's a hall of fame right. football coach. Right. But that's his point of entry. Mm -hmm. That is his platform. Uh, and the thing that really, I really started thinking about it in Tony Dungy's case was he has a large family. Um, and, uh, his one of his son, I'm not sure if the oldest son or not, committed suicide mm -hmm. uh, a few mm -hmm. years back. And he was not going to, he was not going to miss that opportunity. And it's a, it was a time when everybody said, well, let's see how, he, you know, mm -hmm. how do you react? You know, Mr. Mr. Clean, the churchy guy, why mm -hmm. is your own kid committing suicide yeah. if you know so much? Yeah. And that's really the kind of the, the criticism he got and he handled it beautifully. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, word for word, how he handled it. Um, you know, somebody, uh, I think it was our, it may have been my minister, but he may have ripped it off from somebody. He said, God's plan is every time a, a non-believer gets cancer, he lets a believer get cancer. So the world will know the difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. The way we yeah. handle things is very different. So, yeah. So that's the, the, the eyes on you. And so, so it's going to be Tony Dungeon. It's going to be, it's going to be you with your podcast that don't, you know, that you're not a televangelist with flashy and with a choir right. behind right. stuff. You're, that's what's really going to be up to, to make changes in the world. The kind of changes we need, not lower gas prices, but getting, <laughs> getting, getting as many people to heaven as we can, because, you know, the world's, yes. it's not that supposed to get better. We're not supposed to get better gas prices. Um, and all yeah. that is supposed to get worse. That's true. And, you know, I think yeah. that's the thing that I have been just prayerful and, you know, you know, you, you pray and you ask questions you're like, God, what's going on um, is, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, what's it going to look like, you know, when he talks about we're going to do greater works, right? Greater works than these. Um, we're going to see that. And, and I, I spend a lot of time, you know, praying and, and you know, looking for, you know, direction or even, you know, teachers. One of, one of my favorite teachers, that I know God led me to this teacher when I was going through a lot of stuff was Derek Prince. I don't know if you've ever heard of or listened to him or not. Um, I highly recommend, he's not even alive anymore. And it's so interesting when you said the people that make the big changes are the ones that you just don't see coming or the ones that are just kind of like, kind of like those backdoor people. I'm like, I'm most people that kind of just slides in the back door and I'm like, I don't know how I got here, <laughs> but I'm here. <laughs> and and it, the guard is down, you know, people aren't, aren't, you know, 
they're like, what is, what am I going to do with this person? And that's you know, neuroscience, right? Whenever you're, you're, you get disrupted is whenever you're most open to hearing right. or receiving um, what someone is saying. And if they're coming from that place of love, God uses that. And one of my things, actually, we were talking about Dallas earlier, one of the concerns I had for him, and I pray for that situation is, you know, because he's, he's gotten the attention, right? He's gotten the stage, something that was, you know, considered, you know, so, so humble and had such humble beginning, you know, he's like, the Catholic church wants to see me and, and this and that. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I mean, that's, that's good, but also that comes with stuff too, you know? And so it's that prayer that, you know, God was able to help him and his the community stand strong, you know, cause the enemy's everywhere, right? <laughs> he wants to get in there and, yeah. and just get you off track, even just a little bit. And knowing him like I do, he is so well equipped. So he's he's the right man for the job, right time and place because that's that good. it was that's his personality. So nobody you talk about being entrusted with stuff. I mean, he raised you know eleven million dollars on his first outing. It's like, okay, who would you trust with eleven million dollars? Right. Dallas Dallas Jenkins is one of them. He's <laughs> he has lived a very he's worked hard. He was he was a rich kid, at least for part of his life, mm -hmm. because of his dad's success. Mm -hmm. but he didn't, he never came off that way and he never stopped working hard and he mm -hmm. never stopped making a big deal about his failures. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. He was not a, he was not a fake book guy that said, everything's great. Here's my, here's my newsletter. Everything's great. Everything's fantastic. Oh yes. The highlight of that. <laughs> yeah. He said, Oh man, things, things really sucked. I really blew that boy. Did I mess up? You know, Dallas is just, I mean, he's the right man for the job right now. So I, you know, that's awesome. That is so awesome to hear. And I'll just continue yet in that first because that's such a neat, that, that whole ministry is such neat, far reaching um, effects. Yeah. For sure. It's, it's really awesome. surprised him because it, it's not even going out the way they thought it would. They changed horses in the middle as far as the distribution. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's worked out perfect. It was the right, you know, the right road to take. And, you know, that's, I've, if you say, oh, it's great. It's like, okay, if you could wish one thing for the project, what would you wish? I would say Netflix and just get it in, get it into, you know, get it into there because the production quality is there. The writing is there. Just Oh, it is. You totally could. Yeah. I wonder what that's about. But Netflix, and I have actually gotten rid of my Netflix subscription because there's not a lot of good stuff on there. At least it's so much harder to find it. Like it used to be, they used to have a whole faith and spirituality section that was really easy to find because we were on Netflix oh, yeah. before it was, you know, the thing to do. And we got rid of cable back in like 09 or something. And, um, and they were starting to build, you know, their, their, their stuff. And I think it was before they were making shows themselves and things like that. And, um, and so that was great. And then they started changing to the point, like, even if I'm just hovering over something, I'm like, I, as a result, and I'm like, I didn't say to play this, what's going on? So, so we had to retire for us personally, had to retire Netflix. But that brings up a question I wanted to ask you. So you you guys did that first one in 04, um, Perfect Stranger, right? I mean, that was before Facebook, you know, and all of the social media stuff. Like, how were people connecting and communicating with you about, like, their questions and then liking the show? Like, what was that that medium of, of, of communication? Oh, gosh. Now, now I'm being one of those people. Gosh, how, how did they? <laughs> Well, they were e email. We had email way back then. <laughs> you were in grade school, but there was email. So uh, we heard through email and um, email. We actually got a lot of letters too. I mean, like letters. Wow. Uh, that kind of thing. But yeah, 
through the internet. It was through email. There was no social media, which is fine because I really don't understand social media. <laughs> um, a lot of a lot of emails. So yeah, um, that was that was our prime communication. And then we would see the, the reviews on Amazon when we were selling there. So was Amazon um, over? I guess yeah, they were. Wait, were they doing? That back then? They were, not, they were not streaming, but they were selling DVDs. That's right. And books. Okay. That was kind of their, their first thing. Wow. So I know you made another one. I've seen. It was actually 2000. We started Perfect Strange in 2004. We yeah. got our first deal in 2006. So that was okay. when our, our actual release was. We started the process in 2004. Gotcha. Okay. That was right when, when Facebook was showing up and Amazon was starting to, to yeah. Yeah. steam. So it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. Right. That's still so, but so much has happened like with, with communication and, and social media, social media wasn't even a thing really back right. then. Yeah. And that has so much to do with people on um, like uh, their, their content, their media now, right. It's a, it depends so much on that. And so it's neat to see um, a, a very, like I said, a very easy digest message um, mm. done to just do so well. And I wonder in 06, when you guys actually kind of went live, you said you had a theatrical run like how did all that work so i know it's kind of hard to get in the theaters it wasn't huge it was really limited uh again we didn't really know what we were doing but you know we were we were showing well and, and here's here's the other good thing that happened with that first movie um when i was given the book as a gift um i i done a stage show and someone had left in my dressing room one night. i didn't know who left it there little book it was so it was like right up my alley it was really small <laughs> And so I was, it sat around, sat around, sat around. I had the flu, um, I had the flu one time. And so I was laying on the couch and I'd watched ESPN three or four times rotating. I said, well, when all else fails, read. So I read the book and, and uh, really liked it. And then, like I said, when the wheels started turning, this would make a good film. I tried to get in touch with the author, which was difficult because he wrote under a pen name and there was no address there. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, there was, there was a, there was a letter address. There was a mail address, but no email or anything like that. Plus he wrote under a pen name. So mm -hmm. um, it took quite a bit of doing just to locate him and come to find out he was a guy in Texas that worked for some uh, publishing company. He had written this book kind of as a project, but he was selling it out of his garage. Mm -hmm. So I, I met with him uh, down in Dallas. I was I was doing a stage show down there. I said, "Well, you know, he was living in Dallas at the time." I said, "I said, well, let's get together. Let's talk about this." And so I'm kind of hashing out what I, what I would like to do with your story and how little money I can give you up front. And uh, so we met, and and he he liked me. He liked what I wanted to do with it, and vice versa and stuff. So you know, we got the film rights to this book. Well, in the meanwhile, while we were in pre-production and going to make this little story that we were going to sell at the back of a van, a huge publisher picked his book up. Random House picked it up. Wow. And did a 200,000 200, unit first print, which was their largest first print for a first time author they'd ever done in history. It goes to the New York Times bestseller list. And we're making the movie version. It's, it's, it's the bestseller, you know, it's on the New York Times bestseller list and we had the movie rights and the movie is in progress. So it opened a lot of doors for us before we ever printed one frame. It's like, oh, based on the New York Times bestselling novel. Well, it wasn't that way when we started. It was a garage book when we started. But by the time, by the time we printed the film, we could say this is based on 
And it, it was setting records as far as, you know, a first time novel and a novel about that subject matter. Um, it was actually championed by a Jewish person at Random House that actually. Wow. Okay, you're going to be goosebumps. That's amazing. <laughs> well, that's how that happened. So somebody said, well, what's his story? I said, well, it's based on New York Times bestseller. So, you know, people that see dollar signs say, well, there's going to be a built in audience. So, yeah, we'll give you a chance. So that got our foot in the door, whereas we wouldn't have had that otherwise. I was wondering that. That's amazing. Have you written this down somewhere? <laughs> behind oh, the... <laughs> I, just, I just told you. You can tell somebody. <laughs> That's just really neat because I feel like there's so many people who have a story or a message they want to get out and they get so discouraged because of it's so much harder now because there's so much more hoops to jump through, so much more stuff. and, and So much more hearing, stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so and literally, that, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it's just, it's, it's, it's amazing that, um, like for me, when I hear that, because for example, I feel like God told me to write a book, but I'm like, who am I to write a book? I don't write, you know? <laughs> and so when I hear your story, it's like when God puts something in there and that's what he wants to do, he's just going to make it happen. You know, he's going to put all these pieces in the place that are just like, how did this happen? Like that you, you said it was a garage book, which I've never heard that term before, but it's hilarious. I'm going to use it all the time. <laughs> garage book. And then it became a New York Times bestseller. Like what? You know, so I mean, those things actually yeah. do happen. And um, and I think people hearing that and seeing that when they feel inspired, because remember, where do people go? You know, whenever you, like you said, you know how to get the rejection letters, you know how to, you know, receive the no's, right? But, you know, it's nice to hear like, what about when you do receive the yeses? How do they come? And I, I don't personally feel like I hear enough of those kinds of things um, to just say, you know what, God's still moving and anything is possible, you know, and when you just kind of move forward um, in faith yeah. and put yourself around people who are going to support you, which I'm going to ask yeah, you that next. <laughs> it's like the, I try to maintain with everybody. It's like none of this was planned. I just, I liked acting. I wanted to see what it was like to direct. I wanted to see what it was like to write a screenplay. I mean, that was all me. I did. I, I co-directed it with with a good friend of mine and we actually it was actually up in the air who was going to play the role because he, he's an actor as well he, he went to SMU as a degree and I, he's a lot better than I am and uh, we actually flipped a coin we said okay one of us will direct it. one of us will direct the other one will act and so basically I got I got settled with acting he was going to direct and then I reneged on it I said you know what I want to direct too so we're going to co-direct he was he was good about that so so I, I i wound up doing both but that wasn't even a foregone conclusion i was even going to be in but that you know he would have done a better job than i did so and it still worked out like i said it was, it was kind of the story that kind of sold sold everything and pamela pamela sold things too um That's so cool so what is yeah. your current direction now so you have this amazing story you said you didn't really set out to really spread the gospel and i've seen i got to see um another one of your movies for the first time. I was like, I probably should watch this. I'm all totally into this, the, the Perfect Stranger movies and the series. Like you need to make more of those if you're not already told that. Like, I'm like, I need more of that. That'd be great. <laughs> but I watched some of the other ones. And, and also you see that, you know, God's that component of God's love and speaking to people who feel like they're in dark spaces and, and, and don't think that they can be reached, which there's a lot of that. Um, and the church doesn't help with that. They're like, you're too bad, you know, to be able to come around us. And and not a lot of the truth, which is there's there's nothing that you know everybody's in the same boat, and you know to God it's all the same. It's awesome. It doesn't matter whether you are a murderer 
or you lie, <laughs> you know, um, he has love for everyone. And that's not a message that's really taught. Um, there still is the varying degrees of, you know, worse, you know, or better, right? That's still there. That The sentiment is still there. Um, right. And so I just wonder, and I noticed that's a lot of in your messaging in, in, in the series, it's there, which is great. And so I guess, where are you headed with your, your messaging or, or what is your goal if you have one? I know you seem like you're kind of just going with the flow, right? You're like, pull the oars in and just see where I'm, where the, I'm like that too. I'm a leaf, right? Where does the wind blow in me? But um, I guess, is there anything that you're wanting to do here going forward with the way of the world and where it's going? You know, um, we never really thought in the, now when, when we made the first movie, you know, I was, I always say, well, we just, we just kind of do it. I, I like to portray that Lebowski type thing. Yeah, whatever's cool, man. But, <laughs> Two things happened when we made that first movie. Um, I had just watched a a, um, a movie at Blockbuster. Somebody said, "Well, here's a here's a churchy movie that that's in Blockbuster," and it was terrible. Oh my god, <laughs> terrible! It was awful. And I said, I remember I said this to my friend, my co-director. I said, "We could at least do this bad." <laughs> I didn't know what we were going to do, but I always say, we can do at least this that. And they're a blockbuster. No, no wonder the world thinks we're idiots because it, it was it was just not good. And I said, we can at least do this that. So I thought, you know, and then the other thing was, I, I thought that as far as the messaging, that, you know, the, the way the book explained how you get into heaven, how, you know, what this is all about about this what 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 is relationship how do you have a relationship explain that you know why is why is this you know why is this the this, this faith is what you know no one comes to father except for me what's that all about yeah i thought i did a good job of that and there was no other movies out there that did it because you know king of kings didn't do that the jesus and that was darn right scary the passion didn't really do it the passion was so much it it, it didn't focus on the explanation book and i thought no film has been well done and been an explanation book you know as far as it goes and i thought this that script the novel did that perfectly so i really felt like we were filling a need there i said we're creating something that does not exist right now well since then you know there's been a flood you said you know the pure flicks came out with their own i bet jesus series and stuff mm -hmm. after that and and uh, so it's going to be a flood, but at the time that did not exist. And so we made a few more movies in that series because we thought there were, there were a little bit deeper explanations that this character could make in different settings. And then we did the series um, of the seven episodes. But on top of that, um, as far as a direction we have, and this is always going to be my direction, is good entertainment that's well acted, that has a good message, that is not churchy and does not have to take place inside a pew or with somebody trying to save the church and let's hold a big show to save the yeah. church and let's yeah i know there's a lot of those <laughs> yeah it's it's, 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 it's it's christianity hallmark as far or as even exactly like, even like the romance ones i was like why like hallmark's already got kind of a a, a thing on that like i don't want to see that um and you know, and I was gonna say, like the ones that that, that I've seen, like, like yours is my favorite because of that, because it's dealing with really like real stuff. So like the one that, and I'm thinking that it's pure, yeah, because the the guy who made Pure Flix acts in some of the in the movies or the second movie, but because um, there's two movies and then there's a series they have, and 
this is before I even saw yours. I was, it actually made me like looking for more. I'd love to see more Jesus-based stuff, especially when I was going through things. And, um, and so what I liked about that, theirs was it was, it was very um, like touchy-feely warm, right? You know, Jesus is loving and he's great, you know? And so that's, that's always nice to see, but you know, when you're starving, you'll, you'll take anything. <laughs> so, so, you know, you're, you're getting that, but then as I kept going, the, the messaging was just, it felt different. And I, I, you know, encourage you if you want to, to, to check it out, to, to see, you know, if you, if you notice that it's the encounter. So there's an encounter, the first one, which was good. And then the encounter, the second one, which was got a very actiony. And then, and then there was a series they did that, you know, um, you know, some things there and there. So, so it was, it was, it was good. Then I saw yours. Right. And I was like, what is this? You know, cause I was wanting to just take in everything. And I think I saw the series before I saw the movies and, um, and it was just, it was, it was sweet. And, and it wasn't just the, the warmth, right. He knows everything about you, which feels really good to be known. Right. It feels great. Um, and cared for, but then you said it answered the questions, right. That a lot of people have, and it didn't, the ones that I've seen, that I've seen, in my opinion, didn't get into it like that. Like where you feel like that part of you that's inquisitive, that part of you that wonders that, because God made us very inquisitive, very creative, um, mm. you know, for a reason. And, and it didn't address that need, you know, and you know, the church doesn't, you know, you ask the church question and it's just like, you know, don't worry about that, you know, or let's focus on coffee and worship music and let's all be like Hillsong. <laughs> I've seen that actually. I have had to leave a couple of churches and, and that's big for me because I'm the non-confrontational peaceful person and we've gotten alienated a couple of times. And I was like, God, do you just not want me in church? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not getting bad, right. On, on the series, back to that, on the seven episode thing we did, that was, we had done uh, uh, Isaac at Trinity Broadcasting, which I don't agree everything with Trinity Broadcasting, but they were putting our stuff on right. and being very, very nice to us. So um, they had had great success with our first movie. They said it had set records as far as viewership went. And so they came to me. I was, I was still out in California and they said, we've got an idea. We want you to do a series based on the movie. I said, well, how am I going to do that? And they said, you know, we'll, we will underwrite it. You write it and produce it. We think it would be great if you did like a half hour every week and meet in a different restaurant, like a truck stop one time and like a picnic table the next and I said that sounds awful Isaac <laughs> terrible so I said I don't think so so I went back you know I went back to my hotel and I said you know somebody's giving you a blank check to do basically you know anything so I said I went back to him I said how about we do this how about we do episodes based on God, actual accounts from the four gospels and we modernize them how about we do that instead of going to a truck stop and he liked the idea and something about it. And we get asked about this all the time. We get asked about um, how do I find more episodes? Because there's only seven. They said, you know, where's, where's season two? And I said, you know, there's not one. And they said, you know, are there any more episodes? I said, no, it was only seven. And the, the story behind that is they were, they gave us, and again, they were underwriting this whole thing, which meant everything was paid for and we were very well taken care of. Mm -hmm. um, they gave us a 20 episode order on it, which means our budget times 20 episodes would, mm -hmm. was nice. Mm -hmm. And I said, I, 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 we can't go much past seven. 
And I, I just said, we can't get, we won't be able to keep it fresh. And at some point in time, I'm going to be putting words in Jesus mouth that I don't feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So I said, I can, we can handle, I can handle seven stories and keep it very relevant and keep it very mm -hmm. gospel specific. Mm -hmm. I said, but if I get up to 20 episodes, I'm going to have Jesus in an astronaut suit or <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't want to turn him into Barney or yeah. touched, you know, or yeah. he appears yeah. or Aladdin. Yeah. Or something. I said, that's what's going to happen if we go much yeah. past this number yeah. of episodes. So, you know, I, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm being honest. I mean, we walked away from a lot of income and revenue because I just said it's, it wouldn't be true to the material. It really wouldn't be true to what I'm trying to get across here. So, right. but we, we were, we were fine with, and they were fine with us. They didn't tell us to get out of here or anything like that. So they, they stuck with the seven, with the seven episodes. Wow. That's an interesting part. I would have not guessed that, but that, I mean, that makes sense though. I think that, you know, it's true. It's it, when it comes to these things that can very easily go in the wrong direction if we're not careful. And I think yeah, that's and a respect thing. It's like, okay, he's not a, he's not a genie. He's not Michael Landon in highway to heaven. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's He's, you know, the human, the human God that walked on earth. And, and so I, I, I said, I'm nervous about it as it is. If we go much past seven episodes. I'm going to be really nervous about what I'm saying here. Cause I right. you know, not want to put words in his mouth because he was, very, his words were very distinct and they're very yep. short. Yep. Um, you know, the gospels are very short as far as his actual account. So I just, I just didn't feel comfortable with that. So just, just cause you mentioned the, the series. I was curious I about that. So I, I was wondering, I was trying to ask that question. Like, where's the rest of are you going to make any more? Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> so, so beyond that, you know, we have, we have, I guess our, our movies kind of go, we've done, we've done 12 up to date and they kind of go in a couple of cat categories. And I say the ones like the perfect stranger, which are very message heavy and really promote a lot of questioning and answering. The other thing is what I call our, our Mayberry entertainment. Are you, are you familiar with the Andy Griffith show? I am. I actually have watched a lot of those. <laughs> okay. So, so me, everybody's because I, I don't even like the term Christian movie. It just makes my skin crawl a little bit. But anyway, <laughs> nobody recalled, you know, nobody recalled the Andy Griffith show a good, you know, it's Christian television. They call it good television. Mm -hmm. And you had moral people, mm -hmm. you had a strong sense of justice, you had a strong mm -hmm. sense of family, you had, mm -hmm. you know, God fearing people. Mm -hmm. and you know you had all the elements that people say oh well that's a christian movie and i was like no yeah. they didn't call it christian they just called it good entertainment that that reinforced you know the values more human spirit so that's what our other films are about it's like okay it may not it may not take you back to saving the old church bell by having a <laughs> by having a concert but the people but the people in our in our other stories apart from the perfect strangers, you know, the, the people are, are aligned with a perfect sense of justice. Mm -hmm. Um, of course they don't curse. They keep all their clothes on, you know, <laughs> okay, there's no, yeah. nobody's getting their head blown off. No yeah. caps in it. Um, but we're telling good, we're telling good stories and try to be as close to human, you know, mm -hmm. realism as possible, like the people you can relate to, mm -hmm. but at the same time, we're doing good storytelling according to these laws and these rules and, right. you know, these guidelines and stuff. So that's, that's kind of, so our, our movies kind of fit two different categories. No, that's awesome. One of the things I have been looking for, and I actually tweeted uh, the guy, the creator of Pure Flix as a, 
you know, kind of, let me posit position this to you. I think he just kind of liked it and moved along. But one thing I would love to see, especially now that I have children, and, you know, we'll go, we'll go to the library. We don't even go to the fiction section anymore. We just stick in nonfiction. We get books about space and about nature. Um, and even when it comes to like how they do evolution, it's everywhere, but we have to look through these books and even like we homeschool, right? And so we'll, you know, get them these, you know, books that are, they're learning. You think it's safe, right? But you go through and we're working on them. Like, why are they posing everything from such a negative perspective? Like, oh, you hate Brussels sprouts. I'm like, we don't hate Brussels sprouts. We like Brussels sprouts, but children are so unvegetable. But anyway, point is, is after going through that a, a bunch, I, I remember thinking about it, praying about it, and even talking, um, about it to to my partner and I was like you know I would be really great if there was some sort of a media company or somebody some production I mean that just really put out media that you know was categorized for the different age groups where they were at or different messaging because if you've noticed like we don't our poor children they don't even watch tv right now there's just we just cannot do it because they always approach it from it's already a problem right so our children aren't afraid of the dark. They're not all of that stuff because we're like, you teach that, right? Like by, by positioning and how do they know to be afraid of the dark? They might want you to turn the light on, but that doesn't, you, know, you see what I mean? But if you start saying, oh, are you afraid? Oh, well, yeah, I guess that's what's going on. I've just imprinted that on them. And so we tried prayerfully to, to, to do that in a different way. And so I'm like, when we want to bring in media or things, that lessons in teaching them, a lot of that stuff is, it leads, you know, and it leads in ways it's not very helpful rather than just teach them the concepts, <laughs> you know, and even some of the, the Christian shows and the things, Christian shows and those things, mm -hmm. like they'll have a couple of characters that are kind of, you know, what is the word, uh, disrespectful <laughs> to adults. So they speak and say things that I wouldn't want my children to say. So it's like, what do you right. do? <laughs> I mean, I'm an old movie, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm an old movie and mainly because you didn't have to wade through, you know, language and whatnot. So I, I learned to appreciate from a very early age, I learned to clean humor, mm -hmm. not corny humor, good humor. Oh, I know exactly what you and mean. Then words, I mean, I, you know, I was, I was a big fan of the Marx Brothers. It was like very clever comedy, yep. mm -hmm. and, you know, the old movies, the love stories and stuff. And I just think it could be done. So, you know, we, um, we took on, you know, breast cancer in a movie and it was very much of a love story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, somebody actually said, well, they've lost their way. I'm like, you know, what's, you know, they're not making good Christian movies. I said, well, I never said we were making Christian movies. I said, <laughs> we're, in, we're making independent films mm -hmm. that reflect, that reflect our worldview, you know. Um, so we took on that, you know, we took on a comedy and we, we did a documentary a couple of years ago um, that was not about um, saving the old church bell to put mm -hmm. on a, put on a guy. we have actually <laughs> We actually made a documentary about the national anthem um oh, cool. and it was not it was not political at all um it, but it was a huge it was a huge story about human human determination so yeah you know um we, we just think there's there's a place for good entertainment that doesn't insult your intelligence and that's kind of the challenge now when we first started out we thought there was there was no entertainment that presented the gospel in an intelligent way that would not make people feel like they're being talked down to so that was a need back then but that's not so much of a need now there's there's a really crowded space right now right now i, I think don't know i don't I, I don't know there still may be a need like i love the apologetics flair i haven't seen that like in like uh, c.s lewis like i love how simple his books and the way even he talked about it the way he talked about himself as as it was as he was explaining it it's just it's very down to earth um so 
your homework, should you choose to accept it, I'd love for you to check out Derek Prince, if you've not checked him out, his teachings. You can go on YouTube and just put in Derek Prince, not Joseph Prince, completely different person. Derek Prince, his story is phenomenal. And I know God led me to his messaging because um, before that, I had no experience with practical application of biblical truth. And the way he teaches it is, it's, I mean, literal. Like, and I'm like, and it's one of those things you see it and you just kind of have a, a shift. And you're like, how did I not see this? And a good example of this, he was talking about God has not given us over to a spirit of fear. And he was really good with languages. And so he actually understood Hebrew and Greek and all of that. And so one of the things he would go and say is that, you know, when you're reading the original, it actually is talking about a literal spirit of fear. Like it, it calls it person without body. And I'm like, huh, you know, that, that, you know, when you're being attacked or whenever you're going through something, that it's not just a concept, which is how I used to think about it before, you know, but you're coming against actual things. And, and he would go, you know, very biblical based and I'd never heard it taught and he, you know, he was, he was going to be like a tenured professor in Oxford. And um, and he's been, he's been around for a while. He passed away, I think in the early 2000s, but had a very long ministry. God just used him. He turned, he said no to that, to say yes to what God was calling him to do. He was in the military and talked about how he was, um, God had an encounter with him there. And, you know, so he was going to be a teacher. He used all that knowledge because he said he got into Eastern stuff and he was a yogi for a while and, uh, the philosophers really his thing was truth right searching for truth and and then God kind of got a hold of him and and he studied all of that and then found that this is where it's at and then began teaching it in a way people could digest and understand it that was his big thing and he would say that um if people ever came into him and said that was so profound and he was like well what did I do wrong it's not supposed to be profound it's supposed to be extremely simple <laughs> and I was it's like yes. yeah. <laughs> point yeah so yeah, I think you'll enjoy so. his teachings <laughs> Derek, Derek Prince, when I Google, yeah, all purple rain. Sure, purple rain's gonna be something I had next, yeah. Yes, yeah, maybe I'll get Lola out. <laughs> get Lola out of your head. <laughs> yeah. But um, but one of the things that I saw, and it's so neat how God will like take charge of your education when someone does it. So like I was raised, you know, it's a very difficult environment, but God kind of took over a lot of my upbringing in a lot of ways, the way he would show me or lead me to different things. And when I started listening to or watching Derek Prince's teachings, there's so many of them. And before that, um, you know, the, the regular teachers, right? There were some uh, Priscilla Shire or, um, you know, those the, the, the big teachers that people go and listen to, they go and fill a whole like stadium or concert or whatever hall to listen to these people who teach. They're not necessarily preachers, but they'll like teach, they'll write books. You know what I'm talking about, right? That whole kind of stuff that's really in these days, especially with the, yeah. you know, the women's ministry and stuff. And, right. um, and so that was kind of where I was at, right? Like, oh my goodness, I can't wait till they get another book out. And, and when I started, when God kind of got a hold of me with this new teaching, and I started realizing that, and it's supposed to be a lot of these women, they would go to these, these, um, these uh, what do you call them? Teachings, whatever you want to call it. They'd go, spend money to go, and they filled this huge hall, listen to them, and they're like, it's like they were feeling good right? They're feeling really good. And then they'd leave and feel worse <laughs> than when they got there, you know, because they really weren't being fed anything and, and right. nothing they could take with them. You know, it was all like, um, yeah. yeah. And so, and so listening to him 
And, and I tell people, well, one of the big things I learned when I, when I started listening to him, and even when I went to my first spirit-filled church that didn't feel weird, <laughs> and I was like, it's like you realize you've been eating gruel your whole life, but you didn't know, you thought that was what it was, and then you get steak, and you're like, what have they been feeding me? <laughs> I was being barely sustained, and I just like, that is missing, and people, you know, it's like um, um, the difference, I think it's what God showed me when I saw his teachings, is a lot of these teachers, and I'm not necessarily speaking badly about them, they probably don't even mean to be doing it, but they're getting in the way, I feel like, of God's glory or God's, who, you know, who God is, and so they're taking all that adulation and, and praise, even though they don't realize, oh, I'm doing God's work, but the message, the, the feel, whatever it is, it comes through, like you receive it after eating something, someone's serving you food, and if it's coming from the person and not directly, like you're not just a vessel, that's going to translate. And I didn't realize that until I heard someone who literally there was no agenda. You know, it felt clean. It felt like there was nothing in the way of the message. It was just the message. Take it, use it, forget about me, my name, whatever, and and build. That's kind of what it felt like. And so I, I love like your show, for example, your 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 movies. I got that same feeling even listening to that. It wasn't like, um look at what I've accomplished and who I am and what I've done. And I said, I don't think people mean to do that. I think it's just kind of a natural bend that can happen sometimes. Um, like I just saw the case for heaven, the guy, um, Lee Strobel, I think that's his name. Um, he, he does a lot of the case for, and I, I saw the, 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 the movie adaptation about his, you know, his story, which is an amazing story. And then he's been making a lot of different, the case for documentaries. And I just saw the case for heaven. And I mean, don't get me wrong. There was some good stuff here in the near death experiences was good but at the end of it I was like why do I feel like this was just about them <laughs> and their you know oh, their experiences yeah. a bit <laughs> and and although it was good it was really good and and I even you know brought the tears it doesn't take much to make me cry especially when it comes to stuff like that I'm like this is so great but at the end of it it was like I thought this is more about man a bit <laughs> than about God working through man. Right. <laughs> I don't know. What, what you, know you know the difference, especially, you know, somebody like you with trained ears and trained eyes, you know the difference when you encounter somebody like that, when you encounter a televangelist kind of yeah. guy, and when you, when you encounter a legitimate spirit-filled person, because when we think spirit-filled person, we think hands in air and we think tambourines and scary stuff and tongues, but really a spirit-filled person is... I don't, it's not like that. It's like somebody it's really is emulating missile. Jesus and you see what, what, and you see what people, what, what, what drew people to him when he was just a man. And I've, you know, I've encountered people like that in my life. And that's, you know, I don't, I don't say, wow, I wish I could be like Jimmy Swagger. You know, I'll, I'll encounter these people. And it was, it was uh, several years ago before we, before we moved to Louisville, it was a guy at a car dealership. And I could have spent hours with this guy just, the way he talked, the way he mm -hmm. phrased, mm -hmm. the way, you know, his faith was not something he did on Sunday. And, mm -hmm. and you know, and he kept saying that. He said, you don't think I'm trying to do this to get your business to you? I said, no, I'm not getting it. <laughs> but it was, but it was such a natural, it was such a natural flow that came out of him. It wasn't something like, well, I'm going to talk churchy to this guy now. It's like, mm -hmm. no, this was him. And he was an admiral, but good looking, good looking guy. He was very successful. I think he owned the dealership. Mm -hmm. And you, you can see such a difference between those people and the people that work at it and, you know, have the 1-800 number down in front of their name. Yeah, um, that's a good You know the difference. It. And I think everybody responds. To it. They, 
you can tell the difference and they're just neat. And it's the tone again, you get, okay. You got me this whole list of names. I have to look at it here. All this <laughs> I've got how to pronounce your name here. I actually wrote it down. I've got phonetically. <laughs> and uh, Tony Dungy. Yeah. He's, he's an, he's an incredible witness without being an incredible witness, you know? Exactly. Um, That's how Jesus was though. Right. He didn't come in and say, you know, look at me and look at this and all that. He was just, he just showed, yeah. you know, I, I tell this a lot to my non-believer friends and I forget how it even comes up. Cause like I, I'm, I'm very much just a walking vessel. I suppose I don't, I don't really think about what I'm going to do before I do it. Even when I do podcasts, I tell people, I'm like, I don't really know what's going to happen. I just kind of pray about it. And then I let God lead at that point. And I said, like I said to everybody and everybody just, they, I guess they deal with me. They don't, they don't mind me, I guess. But, um, but uh, one of the things I love telling, cause I've struggled a lot with like um, understanding what evangelism means. Right. Cause you know, I, I, I grew up, I knew God very young. I had a very personal relationship with him without anybody teaching me. It was just natural, but understanding how to have relationships with people was very difficult for me. And, um, and I'm one of those, I, like, like I said, we're made all different. You have the ones that God makes like C.S. Lewis or like Ken Ham or like you, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of the, the, the person next to this kind of shows up in the back door and I'm like, I don't know how I got here. It's my first day, you know, and, and just kind of go, goes with it. And, um, you know, you know, that the great commission, you know, go and make disciples, go and, and spread the gospel. And I'm like, Lord, I will do that. I don't, I don't see myself on a soapbox. This is how my dialogue would go with God. I don't see myself on a soapbox, but I'm going to need your help to show me what, what that means. And, um, and over time, the way he showed me was through the story of Zacchaeus. I didn't even know that story until my children went to Sunday school one day and came back and told me the story. And I looked it up. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is evangelism. You just show up and invite yourself to dinner. <laughs> I'm coming to have dinner at your house. <laughs> and you just let Jesus, the Holy Spirit, do all the, the whole thing and just hang out. And so I tell people that who, who um, have trouble with that or are not believers. And I said, they just go and love on people. You don't have to go and, and tell them whatever. God will do that. He does all of that, whether that's through you or through how they're convicted or whatever. And Jesus himself, he didn't go and tell Zacchaeus, you're a sinner and you're this and you're all these things. He just said right then he was a celebrity right so he was like everybody wanted him around he shows up and and he he picks out this guy hanging out in the tree you know and says i'm inviting myself to your house to eat <laughs> i'll be there whatever that's the other time was and everybody's like what don't he don't they know who he is he gets all this attention and that's all he really said until after he was convicted internally and said i'm gonna completely do this whole thing and then jesus speaks and says, today salvation's come to you. And I was like, I could do that. I can go invite myself to dinner and party and love on people <laughs> all day long and um, and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. <laughs> and I've, I've had to navigate. I'm not, I'm not gifted like you. I'm, I'm a textbook uh, introvert. So I've had to navigate it a different way um, than that. So I'm that's... <laughs> But no, really, I mean, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I would find it difficult to like say I'm coming to your, you know, I'm, I'm coming to your house. I'm like, oh, wow, well, can I just nail you? Can I nail you? So really, um, yeah, and I think, I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not some messenger, but, you know, I think the way we presented the message has kind of been, if I could do it, I would play it this way, you know, so yeah. it's kind of. I have a question. I have to ask you this kind of blatantly, or not blatant, bluntly. So how are you an introvert and you like make movies and you put yourself out there for everybody to see? 
<laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's different. There is a script and, you know, I'm, of course I'm, I'm, I didn't graduate college, so I don't have this great insight. Plus I don't really like talking about myself. I was, I was a very unhappy child. I was, I was my appearance, everything I did, every friends, I was painfully shy. I faked sleep for the first six years of my life. My extended family thought I had narcolepsy because I was always asleep and I, I would fake sleep. So I wouldn't talk to anybody. Um, <laughs> And I really got used to that, but as far as performing, it's it's almost like an out of body type thing, you know. As long as uh, uh, Ewell Brenner said the same thing, it's like you know he would say uh, when Ewell Brenner was doing the King and I, and he was just this huge presence and stuff. And someone said one time, "Well, Mr. Brenner's the senator is here to see the performance tonight. He'd like to come talk to you at intermission." And Ewell Brenner said, "No, I I don't have a script. I have I don't know what to say to him." this is this great man. So I'm not comparing myself to Yule Brenner, but you know, it's, it, I don't really consider it being out there. It's not the same thing as making a speech. It's, it's a very closed environment. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm going to say I'm, because it's all written down for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I can't be humiliated because you know, I'm usually the writer too. So, <laughs> um, so if it's, if it's a matter of that, it's like, yeah, I want everybody to see our pictures and stuff. I just happen to be in it. But as far as in a room, it's like, you know, I cannot find a corner fast enough of two or three more people. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just not, I'm not comfortable. I'm not confident or anything like that. So it's, I guess it's like an out-of-body experience. Like when I'm working, mm -hmm. that's not me. I, I'm this other character. I'm this other person mm -hmm. and stuff. No, that so. makes sense. You're kind of, and you know, sometimes, and I feel like where God makes it so multifaceted because people will meet me and they'll think, um, like, I, I would say I was shy when I was younger, but I said I had very abusive home life growing up and and I think that can mess with how you show up in front of people and God just did something with me I don't know um where I just jump out there but a lot of times it's very similar to what you describe it where I don't really think about it no there's no script sometimes I don't know what I'm going to say to a person but I'm like well I'll just show up and see what happens <laughs> and, then, and then things just start happening God just takes over and speaking actually I started public speaking and like I said I would never thought like I'm I'm kind of like you in the way to where I'm fine backing people up. I'm fine being in the background. Like I'm totally fine with that supporting you. You can take all the credit. Like, like I'm, I'm good, right? That's fine for me. But God has seen fit. <laughs> you know, he'll do that to you um, to put yeah. you in front of people. And the first time he did that in a ministry role, which I never thought I'd be in ministry in any form, although we we're supposed to all be, but just never saw myself that way. When um, I was asked to get involved with mothers of preschoolers, which is, um, I don't know if you've heard of them, but it's a uh, international organization and they have chapters that people will start and it supports moms um, with little ones before they get to school and it's it's a really good it's like a backdoor ministry because they don't really push the faith which is one of the things I like about it but they will usually partner with the church but people who don't go to the church people who are wherever will come and lots of times people find um, their faith in being there because of the support they get because when you're a new mom, they have a dad version too, but when you're a new mom, if you're at home with the child, all that stuff, you need, you need a support system for this whole new situation. And so I was, I had, I'd heard about it, never been in it, didn't even do anything with it. It was not on my schedule. And they asked me if I would do it. And my first answer would have been no, but God was like, had been working on me. And I had just heard a sermon that said, it's not me time. It's God's time. <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, okay i'll consider it it was at the perfect wrong time the, uh, all of it I, I had like three very tiny children and and it was on a like at night because it was from working moms and so that would have been during their bedtime it was just all a mess but i said okay lord i'll, I'll do it 
And, um, and I, <laughs> I come in, I end up becoming the coordinator of the group after a mass exodus just had happened with that organization. And so well, I was essentially running, <laughs> yes, on a skeleton crew. I said, God, what, what am I here for? And he said, I was there to level on the moms. Like I was going to end up in politics, which I cannot stand politics. I tend to steer clear. I'm good at politics, but I don't like politics. And, um, and so he was like, you're there to love on these women. And, and I wasn't dealing with unbelievers. He actually, this is when I was going through my very difficult, like spiritual awakening. I don't know what you call it, but it was very hard, very, very hard season. And he called me into that and said that I was going to be dealing with women who were believers, but struggling with fear and fear in a really bad, very, um, um, kind of paralyzing way. And then a lot of believers, a lot of Christians struggle with that. I think it's normal. And that's something that I did not, well, I understand it now because during that season I was in, he allowed me to experience fear that I had never experienced before. And I had, like I said, I've gone through some things, but he always protected me and filtered me from it. And he said, this is how people feel all the time. And they're believers and they're very, very just fearful. They're just waiting until the next attack or bad thing happens. And that's not how they're supposed to be living. So he said, I'd be, I'm supposed to support these women, these moms. I said, okay, okay. So I, I show up there, I end up coordinating the whole group. And I walk up there and I get on stage and I'm like, I just heard about mops like five minutes ago. I don't really know what I'm doing here. I just kind of walked in the back door. <laughs> so y'all bear with me. But they all found that very charming um, because, you know, me just kind of showing up like that. And I'm like, this is not my stage. This is y'all stage. So if y'all have something you want to say, or if you want to speak, please let me know. Um, and some of the... Um, the more senior members did not care for that very much because I kind of shook oh. everything up. <laughs> they don't like that at all. And so I spent the year loving on the women that, that God protected them, but I dealt with a lot of church trauma from dealing oh. with that. And I ended up leaving the church after that. But um, I bring all that up saying, you know, I'm very similar to like, God just kind of puts me there and I just kind of do whatever I'm supposed to do <laughs> and then kind of, you know, excuse myself to, you know, whatever I need to do to yeah. kind of re refill and refuel. <laughs> yeah. And I, I really have, you know, that's, that's just, I guess, I guess you call that part of my journey of seeing how I fit into how I fit into that. And I'm, I'm still not sure, you know, uh, sometimes. I'm well, like, I would okay. have never seen, I mean, when you sit interact with it personally, and I'm being, I'm, I'm speaking to you like we're old friends. So normally I probably wouldn't say this, but, <laughs> but I don't really like the terms introvert and extrovert, you know, because I feel like I've seen people who, who can be all the things, right? And just various circumstances, depending on the, the, the you know, the environment, yeah. the person, what's the, what they're going through in life. And like, I mean, you, I'm a stranger, or I was at least before, <laughs> before you, you came on here and I would, you did not seem shy to me at all. Not even a little bit. That's nice of you to say. <laughs> it's the truth. People make that assumption uh, when you're in this business and they just think, and especially they think, oh, he's going to have all his personality and this, we'll invite him to this. It's like, boy, are they disappointed when I show up and, you know, I'm barely making eye contact. It's just, you know, I just never stop being that kid, you know, that uh, just isn't comfortable around people and stuff. But like I said, I have a really good friend. She's an actress and um, she's been in a few of our films. We've got to be really good friends beautiful girl she's just drop dead gorgeous and we had done some commercial work back when I was an actor and stuff and then you know a few years later we started Kelly's film works and I said well I, let's, let's bring Patty in. I really want to use her now I'm gonna look her up she said you know I used to see you on those shoots and I just thought you were the most arrogant <laughs> SOB that was ever 
She said, you never talked to anybody. She said, you know, you never, you never even came to craft services and stuff. You would go, you know, during lunch breaks, you would be missed. She's, and she's, I said, how long have you been, have you been stalking? Making notes for all these years. Oh, do you remember the shoot? Oh, down it. Do you remember this shoot? I'm like, Patty, did you not have a hobby? I know she says now I know I try to look back on that and I said well yeah unfortunately I you know I've never been a dig me type person so I'm not going to walk out and say okay guys I'm not talking to anybody because I'm shy not because I think I'm better than you I'm painfully shy and I'm always going to be that way that's your PSA or maybe she's been on a shirt and and it really has been hard because especially especially in you know in a worship setting and stuff I'm really I'm really private about that. And, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of stand up and greet your neighbor. <laughs> in fact, I mean, here's me as like th- at this point in my life and stuff, I sit there you know, with a little bit of dread knowing, okay, at any second now they're going to say stand up and greet your neighbor. <laughs> and it's like, you know, my, my palms get sweaty. So so this has turned into like a psychology show about me here. So no, this is really interesting. Like I have a lot of conversations with people, um, and, and people say a lot of the same stuff, and it's people you would never think. And I'm just like, you know, um, I well, one for you, one of my sense just that I get from you, and I actually didn't know what to expect. I was actually very excited to just hear about the thought processes and what you know, what what um, you know, what led you to to, to do those things. It's really cool, and and. And I, like I said, I would have never even thought that at all. But, you know, when you were saying that she noticed you, like some people just carry a presence, whether you kind of want to or not. <laughs> you just, God just highlights you. You just stand out to people and then they come over. <laughs> and you're like, why are you coming over here? Well, I, I don't think it was that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I think you might carry a presence. You, you, just, have, <laughs> you just have to know, Patty. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think it was that. So, yeah. but it, but it, it's worked out and, and like I said I'm, I'm, I'm it took a long time before it was like okay it's okay to be I mean introverts have been really overlooked for a while Agreed. Um, mm-hmm. uh, because I've got a, I've got a niece who grew up very very shy and stuff and I used to feel for her so bad because everybody was saying hey come talk to everybody come talk to everybody and I remember back, thinking back to myself oh my gosh I always wanted to kill myself when they made me do that <laughs> I just want to say leave her alone I mean she's you know, you're, you're doing more damage um, but, but yes, that's true. and it's like, you know, can you, can you serve God in a, in a meaningful way this way, if you are not out there and you are not a center stage type person. So that's kind of, you know, that's something I'm still, I'm still always, um, wondering about. No, and, look at you know, what you're doing now. So obviously the answer is yes, because, you know, I remember I was saying he makes different people, different stuff within the tapestry, right? You know, I, you got yeah. the people like Ken Ham who will like, I mean, you need those. It will call you out on national television and not have any problem with that. And he does, and he does it in a way that I could not do that. That's just not how I am. I just like that would make me nervous. Like you were saying, like, like I could not <laughs> like knowing something and then just calling someone out. I don't feel good about it. personally. That's just not where I'm at. That's not how I've been built, you know. But I've been built to do things that I do this different, just as you've been built to do the things that you do. And look at what you're already doing. You said you're on twelve films now. I think we're at, yeah, we're working on one. I think we're working on number 12 right now. That is awesome. And I love hearing, and I don't know if you have a place. People do look, people, I'm one of those people that watches something and I'm on Wikipedia or online looking up like their studio or or backgrounds because it makes you curious, you know, 
about who they are. And I, what I like about y'all's yeah. mission is that you, it's not about Christian entertainment. I think that's very smart <laughs> that that's the way that I think it's just about, you know, intelligent entertainment that you're not going to have to be like closing your eyes or closing your ears or worried about somebody hearing something, but that they can, you know, get a good message from or something that's relatable um, when you're in a sea of so much junk that is out there to essentially, you know, corrupt or to, to change your mind or, or indoctrinate you or program you or whatever. <laughs> and that's really comforting. <laughs> yeah. And it really, it, it does, it's, it seeps into your conscience and stuff. So, you know, I just, I think there could be more, there needs to be more. And I want, I want to, I want to see something that's written as well as Breaking Bad. And yes. it's just as intriguing, but okay, can you do it without this? And, you know, it's, it's somebody say, oh, no, it's impossible to do it that way. But nobody's trying to because there's no need to. And back to like you said, the older films, I got into older films because actually that's one of the reasons why I started watching Andy Griffith was because I was like all of the newer stuff was getting worse and worse. And because yeah. you're just going along with it, you become a bit, you don't notice it, right? You're so used to it that as it gets worse. It gets me second yeah. yeah. Yes. And so I kind of backtracked. I was like, stop the presses. I got I to gotta clear out the noise. And I started going back to some of the, the older things where they didn't have to try so hard. It was just good acting and good storytelling, relatable. They didn't have to, you know, yeah, it didn't have to be super bloody or super, you know, gory or, or visually, you know, up, you know, stimulating or whatever in order to get your point across. And to me, I think that that's what's missing now in a lot of um, the current programming is that the messaging is not good. The writing is not really good. <laughs> But they are just blasting people with images, <laughs> and that that's a lot. Of what, what Dallas is doing with the Chosen, um, he's he's getting as close to, to meeting all those requirements as there is. And that's why I think he could take on a broader audience. But I don't think I don't think Netflix. I th he's on Amazon Prime in some way, yes. but yeah. um, but I don't I don't think Netflix would take him on, um, even though you know it would it would help their subscription. They wouldn't need any other. They wouldn't need any other faith programming if they just had the chosen. Um, and I That's think he's already point. So, uh, but I, I know what he's up against too. So, so I'm not too, um, um, you know, I know what he's up against. I know that would probably he'd like to be there as well. But well, can I ask you a question? It's definitely one of those, um, and you could totally say you don't want to answer it. But one of the things I'm curious about is someone who's in the industry and and you know having your belief system. Um, you know, you hear, like I've, I've not ever been in there, so it's just more hearsay for me, but when you run into situations, like for example, the training broadcast network in your, in your experience where they were able to put your stuff out there, but there were things about them you didn't agree with. How do you find that balance with, I'm okay with working with you guys, even though I disagree to, you know what, I don't think I can work with you guys. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, I would I would like to say something noble here, but I don't want to be I don't want to be insincere. Um, you know, they made us a big offer, so they got our attention. You know, it wasn't our first choice because, and, and to be totally honest with you, I was prejudiced against them, but I never really want. I mean, prejudice means I'm making my judgment mm -hmm. without knowing everything. Right, right. I had seen bits and pieces. I had never sat and watched any Trinity programming for a while. Right. You know. I think there has been, you know, Trinity is huge and there's things in there that I'm sure I am 
adamantly against that they're doing. <laughs> but I would find that I could say the same thing about my church. Right. And right, I bet right. I could find one person in here who is beating his wife if I look hard. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be well. I can do that in my own family. I can, right. again, I can right. say, right. I'll, I can find one person in his family who's beating his wife. But right. no, I'm not trying to rationalize, but, you know, if it had been, you know, if it had been, um, if it had been, you know, some, I, we wouldn't have sold to a satanic network. Right. Okay. So <laughs> that was how much they gave us. But right. at the same time, you know, it's, we're, you know, to entertain and enlighten, that was our mission. So even if, Somebody had said, well, do you have any reservations about working with Trinity? I'm like, but I mean, people that watch Trinity need to hear our messages. Yeah, mm -hmm. So we're not going to overlook them just because some things are just a little creepy mm -hmm. and some things are a little, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. further than I would. But Jan, Jan Crouch was actually a very sweet woman. Um, the lady with the pink hair. She was actually very sweet. Her, and I, I worked mainly with her son when we were out there and he was as nice as could be to me. Um, they're really nice people. They just kind of, they came off very flashy. Right. And, right. Uh, and that just might be the culture that they need to fit into too. So you just really, it's true. Yeah. You don't really know. There's things that really would but they would also probably look at me and say, there's things that you're, you're doing things wrong too. You're doing creepy things too. So, <laughs> um, you know, we, we didn't have any problem with that, but at the same time, we were looking to get distribution. So I'm not going right. to be, I'm not going to be too noble here. Um, but we have not done a lot of litmus testing since we've been doing this. We have, uh, there's a studio that's made a lot more money than us with face-based things. And I remember seeing an interview from the producers way back when, and they said, well, we will not hire any crew or actor who is not a Christian. Mm -hmm. I thought that was the worst thing I'd ever heard. Yeah. But I can see why you don't want to have to worry about what your people are out doing at night and stuff. Now we never had that litmus test um, when we hired people. So we, I know we have hired non-believers. I know we have had people from um, alternate lifestyles than mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, ours. Um, no, I think that's about as far as it goes. Uh, but but they've never had a problem with us. So we we always you know and like I said we we would actually even have prayer on set for whatever reason we didn't do it every yeah. five minutes before meals <laughs> started like that. You know, we never did. We never gave a big speech about if right. you were uncomfortable with this, you may leave or you may you have to join right. in. Or you're not getting... right. We never did that. We would just pray. We said you know, you're. We didn't. Even, we made no speeches. That's how. That's how unencumbered we were by it. We said mm -hmm. we're doing our thing. You've read the script. You know what we're talking about, and you're mm -hmm. you're still here. So we we, we yeah. take it. You're fine with us, right? No, that's and that's, that's like that approach better than a litmus test. And it's like okay, and people. I think that some of the people that, that we got through to with our message were the people we hired that were getting the gospel through their script through what mm -hmm. they were working. Um, yeah. So we, we, never, we never took that part out of it. So, um, you know, and like I said, a lot of them, I don't want to call them them, but a lot of people who, who had different life choices and mm -hmm. we did, they wanted to come back and work for us. So it's Aww. like, well, you know, but that's, you know, I, I think we accomplished our mission there as employers that, you know, Jesus sat with the sinners, but he didn't sin with them. And, you know, so... Mm -hmm. 
you know, from, from that approach, I, I feel, you know, that I, I like our approach as far as that. It's not being an exclusionary thing because sometimes, you know, the person next to you needs to hear the message you're telling as much as the guy yes. 500 miles away. So I told, and you know, that comes through your, your, um, your, your, what you create, your, your content. It really does, you know, it comes through that because even hearing you talk about it, it's so neat to hear you talk about it. And then the, the feel that was there in, in experiencing and watching it and how it is congruent, right? You know, it doesn't feel stuffy. It doesn't feel, you know, even the things you dealt with, right? It felt like anybody's welcome, right? Anybody's welcome here um, to to be part. And I, and that is very much uh, the model that Jesus had set. And I really appreciate you answering that because um, one of the things that, that I wonder, because like I said, I can't speak from that place because I'm not making those decisions, right? And that's got to be, you know, uh, can be hard, right? When, when you, you have, you know, everything that you're trying to work for, for, to get your message out there in front of you, someone's willing to, to, to believe in your project, but, you know, it, it is there, are there compromises and what do you do and make it? I assume prayer is a big part, part of those decisions because, you know, God can, if God says do it, even if it was a bunch of Satanists or whatever, <laughs> then, you know, he's going to pave that way for you to do it and make that path. Um, and so I, I just need to hear a perspective of someone who's in the industry, who, who's making those decisions and, um, and also seeing the, the ministry component of it. I mean, there's a gospel component or spreading of the gospel component in just interacting and spreading your message through the work and the art and what you're creating as well. And I think that's really um, neat to just hear about and for anybody. And I, I always kind of pray over these podcasts when we do them and and I, I love how we're doing this. Like I said, I would never know how it's going to go, but we just roll with it. <laughs> and, um, and, and just as a side anecdote, funny story um, is, you know, the way I know when God is really behind it is kind of the feedback. I remember the first time I did it, I'm kind of like you in this way, where I would have never done a podcast, totally not in my realm um, of things I would ever do. Actually, when I was very, very little, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. I was going to graduate from Harvard. I was going to speak all the languages and work for the UN. That was my thing. <laughs> and, and God was like, no, <laughs> something else. Although the language thing is still there. Um, other things, he has me doing so many other things. But the story I was going to say is I, I, when I was going through this spiritual difficulty, when God was using it to kind of wake me up to, to do more, he's like, you kind of fall asleep and you're not out there like you should be. And I was going through kind of a, a difficult season in my, my marriage and it was very rough. And also had little ones, which were great. That part God has really helped me with, but um, it was very rough season. And I just felt this feeling I need to start writing and journaling. I never wrote, I never journaled. I'm like, that's not for me, no. But um, I was in such a weird place. I just needed to get out of my head and writing was able to allow me to do that. And then I got this, um, this uh, what is it? I, I started doing coaching. I started um, uh, doing executive coaching um, as a coach and learning how to do that. And I was, um, you know, researching different kinds of programs to get into. <laughs> and one particular day, I was going to have a meeting with someone who was going to, you know, talk me about their program. I wanted to cancel that meeting because I was having a really bad day. <laughs> and I just wanted to just be done. And I remember before I took that call, I was going to cancel it. And I was talking to um, my husband at the time. And I said, I just want to opt out. I just, just want to take my ball and go home. Like I'm done. <laughs> I'm just done. And so I get on the call and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get on the call. I'm going to take where I'm feeling into the conversation we're going to have and just be honest about it. So I tell her that and she's like, well, what do you want to opt out? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't want to my, my children to be in, in this environment or this or what I just laid it out. And she's like, 
well, it sounds like you're already doing all of those things. And I'm like, well, then what next? She's like, maybe you need to give utterance to it. Like, put it out there. And I'm like, out there? Like, where? Like, podcast. I'm like, podcast? <laughs> Who wants to hear me talk? <laughs> and, and so I, I kind of let it sit and pray about it. I was like, okay, Lord, okay, we'll, we'll try it. We'll see. And so we, we got, you know, a couple of things. I mean, we actually had gone on our first long road trip in 2018 is when this happened. And um, <laughs> and we, I finally said, okay, I'm ready. It was like New Year's eve like literally going into new year's day like okay, I'm, I'm gonna do it i'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna record this and we're gonna we're gonna see what happens and oh no no i recorded it a couple weeks before that but in new year's eve i was like i'm ready to just put it out there and see what happens so what i did was i um i i texted it to some friends and i said okay guys be honest like what do you think <laughs> and i i sent it and I, it was not scripted i just even went in there saying you know I don't know what this is gonna, I'm gonna do here. This is what this is coming from. And just start talking. I don't even remember what I said, even right now, as I'm, I'm talking to you about this. And I got so much good feedback. They're like, oh my goodness, your voice is so relaxing. Or wow, what you were saying is so relatable to what I'm going through right now. And, and one of them's like, I'm not even the believer. And they're like, but your voice is so relaxing. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, God, thank you for being gentle with me. I, I'll do it. Um, and, um, and after that, a lot of the feedback and I, I haven't really done any major like marketing for it. I just put it out there and put it in a few places and people have been finding it. And when I do hear from people, they'll say, you know, this is really like relatable. Um, and, and, and a really funny part was I had, um, I was somewhere and, and I started playing on my, my podcast and I hadn't started playing. It just showed up one of my recordings. So I was like, well, I didn't put this on here. Maybe I'm supposed to listen to it. So I started listening to it and I helped myself. <laughs> I didn't even remember what I was talking about. So, oh, so anyway. Oh, you never listened to that. Wow. No, I don't. I, I just put them out there and I leave it and then um, and don't go back to it. And uh, someone else produces it for me. Um, and yeah. that time, yeah, I was listening to it and I helped myself. So I'm like, God must be behind it. <laughs> That's right. How, many, how, how long have you been doing it now then? Since 2018, so I'm, I'm bad on counting years these days. So is that three, four? four That's four. Years? Yeah, your math <laughs> is as good as mine. Yeah, four, four years. <laughs> Off and on, and it's not even like weekly because you know you have all these rules, right? Do it this much, do it this much, and I'm like, God, yeah. I don't have time for that. Like, you tell me when you want me to do it, and so every so often I'll just get this feeling like you need to do this. Like wow. last Easter. Um, I got this, like, I'm not a, I don't see myself as any kind of mm -hmm. minister, ministry person, but God will say, say or do, and I'll just, I'll do it. And I did one on Easter and that was the first time I ever gave any sort of sermon type thing, but I just kind of started talking and I felt like God said he wanted me to, to do it because Easter, I don't know if you got to listen to any of my previous ones or not, but the, the image I found for it was like a bunny and an egg looking at a cross that was like, what is uh -huh. that? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, this is the problem. <laughs> That's so, what you preached about. Wow. Yeah, I, well, more just the story. You should listen to it. Like, I just yeah. said God speaks. It was just more the beginning to the end story. And um, I've God has used a lot of media. Yours has been one of them, like the way you explain Gen Andrews and Genesis. Um, Veggie Tales creators. Are you have you ever met them or come across them? The Veggie Tales people. We I've been in the same room with them. That's <laughs> as close as I got. But 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 yeah, I'm, I'm very familiar with Veggie Tales. So Phil Vischer, one of the creators, he has the most neatest, and it's for children, but I learned so much from it. It's called What's in the Bible. 
and it deals literally Bible from front to back. And I don't remember how many episodes they did it in, but they, they, it very well explains it from beginning to end and it interconnects it with what they call, you know, the rescue plan and they laid it out. And I watched that and that was a huge, huge part of my understanding of the whole story. And I'd never understood it fully. I had pieces, you know? Yeah. And so how can I tell somebody else if I don't understand? <laughs> like I believe right. it, but I don't understand how to explain it. Yeah. Veggie Tales was ahead of its time, almost. Yes, yes, yes. And then people got a hold of it, apparently. Like I think they <laughs> someone bought it and I feel Bisher. I follow his tweets and he's he's actually very funny, just naturally. Just oh yeah, funny. yeah. <laughs> and they were we asking had him humor to with the to make vegetables. Yeah. I mean, just <laughs> he, he was a visionary, so he had to have a sense of humor. Yes. And I think he voiced every single character on that show that he made, the What's in the Bible. Yes, that's very talented. And then he's kind of there as the correspondent who 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 speaks kind of almost giving the story as all of the, the interacting characters he creates interact with him and their puppets a puppet yeah. show. But yeah. I if you're interested to see it, um it's high I highly recommend it because it's probably explained it for me in the best way and the most like, you know common elements to really be able to, to understand it and be able to relate it to someone else. Um, I have not right. ever been able to do that before. And I think the, the most like neuroscience magic that you would say happened in all those teachings was the one about Jesus. Um, when he, cause you expect, everybody kind of expects to hear something they've already heard before, but the way he did it is he built upon kind of Jesus' ministry. And what I had never heard anything about before was the kingdom of heaven. Like, I, he says it a lot, but I've never really had anybody explain to me what that even means. You just kind of assume. I've always kind of fill in the gaps, right? Oh, he's talking about heaven, right? But I didn't really get it. And so in his explanation, he kind of goes through first and just lays out Jesus's life, right? He healed people, um, the whole political behind it, the Pharisees and Sadducees. I didn't get that either. Why they had issue with it. And then up to, you know, the, the death and resurrection. And then he goes back and says, all the things that he did on earth were to show us what it would be like when we're in heaven, the perfect world. And so now you don't have to worry about death because he can bring people back to life. You don't have about sickness because he can heal that. You don't have to worry about being, being hungry or sad because he can fix all that and then allow us here to ex experience it here, you know, to plant that seed, to look for it there and also to convert, or almost like terraforming, right? You know, that right. seeds that he made to change our world now to be more like that. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that makes that make sense. <laughs> and so I'd never right. had that explained before, even though he says it a lot, right? The kingdom of heaven is like, kingdom of heaven is like, you know, and and I mean had it has we gloss so much gets glossed over. Yeah, just just so much get glossed over stuff like the like, you know, and and you pick up, like I said, you were talking earlier, way back when you were talking about the culture. You know, the church whether we fall into a culture and we get away from what it's based on and the culture becomes the things in itself um yes, and, yes. You know, heaven is one of those things that that gets mentioned rarely gets broken down like what's you know why we want to go there yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah it's just things that we just don't think about enough it's like like again the simplicity gets gets overlooked so easily um because we never talk about the goal you know we never it's I mean, that's, true. It's true. So your like, church. So how's your experience? Your experience been kind of at your home church? Because we we kind of stopped going because of our you know situation, but we visit from time to time. Different. Well, ones. what we here's one thing. Despite what I just told you about 
my love of of crowds and things we we attend the fifth largest church in the country here oh. in Louisville wow. so it is it is a mega church we've been we've been going there ever since we we moved here mm -hmm. so that's that's been 20 something years wow. um having said that in all honesty since we're doing the dr oz show today um <laughs> so uh the bad thing that happened was during the government lockdown you know when we were all watching online well that's how an introvert goes to church so <laughs> it has been a real what do you struggle a word over you it's been a real struggle to go back to voluntarily go back to having you know stand up and greet your neighbor mm -hmm. uh, I'm working through that right now. I am way too content watching and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's where I am right now. It's always been a little bit, a little bit big for me. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's really my person. I'm, I'm like I said, I am not. I was a more worshipful person, I think, in Poland when I couldn't understand the language than I am here for some reason. Uh, <laughs> so it's you know, it's it's it is it is a it's a Bible based church. It's a truth telling church. It's not mm -hmm. affiliated with any national. It's a Christian church. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a good place. It has a lot of programs and stuff. Mm -hmm. My wife actually goes to one of the satellite churches. Um, mm -hmm. She's she's better than me. She does the in person thing, and mm -hmm. she goes to one of the satellites of it where they actually I don't know if you know the how those work. Like there's They're like very a main, interesting. <laughs> it's a main church, and like the message comes on screen, like it's streamed into the church. You know, mm -hmm. but everything up to that point is that, and that's not my favorite either. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know. it's strange. Um, I've been I'm, to one, and they had like a glass come out of the floor. And then they put the the pastor's image on there for the message. It's in Dallas. There's a bunch of big ones there. So it was almost like a hologram. <laughs> but it seemed oh, okay, like he was yeah. standing there. And I was like, this is, this is, this is. I know it's, yeah, I know it's a creative way and <laughs> you get out more places. So maybe, maybe I'm too old fashioned for something like that. Like I don't know. I, I agree with you. I like the house church movement kind of thing. Yeah. I, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm still trying to, you know, I was, there's a rebellious part of me that could, because it was just thumped into my brain as a child, like you show up in church, whether you like it or not. And you, <laughs> you know, that's, that's what church was there for. You never wanted to go, but you had to. Mm -hmm. thinking, I'm not sure if that's the, that was a design plan. So again, I do a lot of, I do a lot of rationalizing because I don't like really, I'm not that, I'm, I really don't like human interaction all that much, especially, you know, mm -hmm. it's a white scale. Why do you go to a church that has 20,000 people in it? So that's the other question. Uh, well, well uh, a lot of times they make it easier. Sometimes you can feel a lot more anonymous when you're in a bigger group, right? You're not going to stand out as much. Um, you know what? It's a little bit hard for me. And again, I'm not, I'm not, uh, um, we did a, we did a large scale passion play there for several years. Mm -hmm. Um like it was huge it was like broadway broadway like people would come across the country and it ran for two weeks every every easter and it, it had gone on for several years it was really um like i said it was it was broadway scale it was not a church basement ideal it was huge it was moving stages and court, a cast of thousands it was a big production and i played the main role uh, for six years wow and 
again, it was totally by accident. The guy that had played Jesus up to that point, who everybody, they literally worshiped this guy. <laughs> he, he quit all of a sudden. And one year, it was getting very late in the year. And they said, we're not going to be able to have the, the uh, production this year. I mean, like, we're talking like 60,000 people yeah. piling in to see this. And uh, they said, we're probably not going to have it this year. So they knew I was a professional actor and they came to me and you know, mm -hmm. said, you know, kind of, kind of that way because they were looking for somebody to do it. So I kind of mm -hmm. fell backwards into it, but we, <laughs> but it, it was, it, it was very successful and stuff. So, um, so it's kind of hard for me since that time. Plus I'm on television and stuff. It's kind of hard for me to seep into the background. <laughs> well, no, and now you're a celebrity there because you acted in the play six well, years, right? They know you. <laughs> and a lot of people grew up like a lot of, you know, it was like a lot of families would take part mm -hmm. in the production and stuff. It was a real, you know, a real gift to the world and stuff. But um, everybody's really chatty and stuff. So sometimes it's, it's just not. It's like you get pulled into it, but then it works out. <laughs> it did, yeah, it did work. It was it was a great mystery. So I'm I was sorry that they they quit having it and what was it because of 2020, all that stuff? Uh, no, it ended long long before that. Actually, somebody played the part after I did. Um, that they just kind of made some change. They thought they needed to modernize it and whatnot, oh. and uh, because it, it kind of started out with. It went from birth to crucifix to resurrection and stuff was the timeline of the, of the passion play mm -hmm. uh, but then they started modernizing and it just kind of lost its way and they, they ended it after a while so that tends to happen so another question i did want to ask you and i, I don't know how we are on time let me know if i'm if i'm getting long-winded on you here um sure. but i did have one more question i, I would love your opinion on um, especially kind of hearing your perspective from you know going online and it does make it so much more convenient when you can attend church online but at the time when um, everything started in 2020 for us, we were actually traveling. Um, and that's kind of where God had us. It was not planned, right? We were we had already started traveling in 2019 and we were still in the midst of that um, on into 2020. And we were in Missouri and then we ended up in South Dakota. I had a coaching client who wanted me to come and consult on some stuff in South Dakota. And so that's whenever the hints, like we were starting to hear about it, but I, did, I don't watch the news or any of that. So I didn't know what was going on. Um, and then we ended up back in Missouri. And I think not long before we left there, they, they locked it down. And so we were moving around when everything was kind of locking down, but God just had it where we were never really stranded anywhere. So as much as it was going on, it didn't impact us in the same way. Like our children actually still don't really know about it. We kind of just... Really? Kind of oblivious oh, wow. to it <laughs> they noticed the masks and we're like yeah people were kind of choosing to wear masks but um we really didn't even have to wear any and they didn't really even have to wear any because we you know we kind of already bottled them up a bit anyway um yeah especially indoor stuff but um but we didn't really need to because we were just just from where we were at but my question goes is what well, the weirdest thing for me we were in i think nashville this is when i was going to try to find a publisher and get my book published which i found one <laughs> and um and I, I talked to him directly and i'm like i have no agent or anybody this would be a very strange call for you but you know so we were there and i remember feeling the need to sit in the church i'm like i don't need to go to service but i just want to go sit in a church just sit there <laughs> and just feel god's presence although they can be anywhere but just i just really had this strong need and they had this beautiful methodist church and it was a catholic church um there in downtown nashville and I remember I went to the Methodist church in this huge, beautiful building. I think it was built in the 1800s or something. 
and the doors are just locked. And I was like, something about this just doesn't feel right. <laughs> so I literally locked. They were literally locked. I could not locked. get in the church. <laughs> There's a message. Okay. I was locked out of the church. And so, so I texted our message. I emailed them. I'm like, is there any way I could come in and pray? You know, no, we're, we're, we're closed. We don't know we're going to open again. This was, I think, like mid, like maybe June or July of 2020. And I'm like, I just can't come in and just pray. <laughs> so, no, we're, we're, we're online. We don't know when we're going to open back up again. It's like, okay. So the only place I could go was a Catholic church, which is also very beautiful, but also different. I'm So God has different ways of, of how he has sensitized us to things, right? Or how he, he our, our senses and what we pick up on. And for me, and I've always been like this since I was a little girl, I can sense things like darkness, things like that. Like my hands will get hot or I'll feel very uncomfortable. And I have not, I don't even know if I've ever been. No, that's that's not true. I think I was in a Catholic church at least once when I was doing a wedding um, planning events and stuff. And, um, but we went and sat in and, because they were open. Like, yeah, you can come sit in. I think they were practicing choir or something. And I'm like, we can go sit in a church somewhere. So we go and, you know, Catholic churches are beautiful. Like they're just, they, 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 they make them very pleasant to look at. So we're sitting there and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at stuff on the walls and, you know, sad that, you know, I have to, you know, fight so hard to be sitting in a church somewhere. And then um, we went and I think it was, maybe it was the, is it confessional? I don't know. So I'm not very super familiar with the Catholic dynamic, but we were walking towards an area and it was really pretty. And I just got this feeling like, turn around and go back <laughs> so we didn't end up going there so although i got to sit in the church i didn't feel super at home <laughs> oh wow in that church so wow. yeah so i thought that was kind of sad because in the during the earlier you know parts of human society especially after jesus i feel like that's where people would go you know during sickness and plagues and things you know people turned you know to to churches that's where they would go pray or that's where they would go and find you know something um, those were always open. And I remember those churches that tried to stay open got a lot of um, negative um, feedback mm -hmm. from their governors because of how integrated now they are into, was it 501c3s and all that other stuff. And yeah. So got me thinking about a lot of that, like how that's so connected. And so a church is not independent really anymore to be able to, you know, do whatever they feel like God's calling them to do. And I'm not saying all of them should have done that. I just remember there were some that didn't want to close their doors and wanted to find some kind of way to make it work. And they were getting a lot of pressure from local government because that person was getting pressure from the higher governments and stuff. So I tell a long story. I'm curious what your experience, what your thought process is um, in that, you know, with that shift and change of the church, you know, when the church is not supposed to be afraid and all these pastors and everybody are at home, not out there. <laughs> even outside, you know, um, you know, but everybody's kind of hiding and, and afraid. I'm reminded constantly, um, the church, church buildings, um, again, you know, we're talking the, the, the modern, the, the church, yeah. church, buildings, church leadership, church decision makers, pastors, the lady that answers the, to the door, the person in charge of locking up, they are all imperfect humans and that's what they're made of. And that's what they're always going to be made of. So, you know, when there's not a united front on something like that, I, I don't tend to think, Oh, this is a concerted failing or anything like that. They're humans, you know? Um, and I, I think, I think we're getting into a place now to where 
we don't quite see them because, you know, like I said, when a televangelist would get caught with his secretary, it would make frontline news. We've, we, we're kind of at a place now, there's still some, but we're really not putting people on those pedestals anymore and wisely so. Um, we're getting away from, from that type of corporate worship where that kind of thing can happen to where somebody can have that kind of a, a moral liability. But what I think we are seeing is more, more of a, you know, like you said, the home church thing that's, that's taking a lot more root. And that's, I think that's good for the movement because it doesn't make any dramatic misconceptions about, well, the church is holy and untouchable. You know, you don't mm -hmm. need guys like that. The church is just more people like you mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so you know when something like that yeah that stunk that politics really got its ugly head inside those church doors and stuff but it was it, you know it was that church was run by humans um who watched who do watch the news and are scared and were afraid for their families and were mm -hmm. think they were doing be, you know, Jesus said to us, uh, Jesus said to respect authority, give Caesar what mm -hmm. is Caesar's. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were doing that. So, mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I don't fault anybody because, you know, you, you've heard the phrase fog of war. Um, mm -hmm. I think all of us have been in the fog of war for a couple of years. And again, it goes back yeah. to, I think we are, hand, we all have handlers that don't have our best interests. In, in and so yeah. I think in a fog of war, so I'm not going to fault somebody that, was doing what they were told and you know um so yeah and, and I, I i i don't think I don't, I don't think there's any 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 lasting repercussions from that so right now i think it's a good point if somebody's got a, a an unfit heart for ministry it's usually going to get found out some other way so okay. you know right but somebody, well, just made a mistake. somebody just made a mistake or something like that yeah they're gonna they're gonna recover they're gonna right. they're gonna get back on track but uh, but yeah, it's yeah the the the, le the less we listen to the handlers, the better. That's what I learned. Right. <laughs> yes, I think that's such a good point, though. It definitely and God uses all things. I think it's great that there's more of the smaller and the house church movement has grown a lot from you know this what's what's been going on. Um, I think for me, what what hurt my heart or my thought was when all this was happening was you know um, for like for example, I actually gave a really great example earlier when you said the. Um, well, what was his name? I need to write his name down. The, the, the coach that... Um, Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy. When he said that, like, after his son, you know, had committed suicide, and everybody's watching him. Like, what's he going to do now? <laughs> Where is his face going? You know, everybody's watching and waiting to see what he's going to do. And I think that, that that's a great example right. of kind of my thought then was that, you know, they're looking and seeing, seeing like, what is the the... Christian, I'm very loose with that term because what has come of it, <laughs> but you know, what's the community, the Christian community going to do now, right? You know, where is their God now? Look, they're, they're like us over here, you know, um, afraid right. of just like we are, you know, what, what, what makes them or what they have any more than what we have, uh, what we worship or don't worship yeah. or whatever, if they're afraid of death, which is supposed to be the big thing, right? Um, about uh, following Jesus is that you don't have to be afraid. Not saying that bad things. I love that movie. I just just watched the Clancy movie yesterday. That you know, bad things are going to happen, but that mean you have to be miserable, right? And I'm like, that's my life. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but um, it's quoting yes. films now. Wow. I know well, that was a one. That was a good one because that was that's how I've always been. Always like, um, as I had a very abusive situation, and people when I got older would say, well, very similar to your dialogue. 
like, wait, didn't you say your mom this? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, but you're excited she's coming to visit you? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't understand. And I'm like, Jesus, yeah. that's that's what it is. But um, but yes, that, that was a part that kind of hurt my yeah. heart a bit about it is because, you know, um, the best part of following Jesus is you don't have to be afraid, you know? And so I don't feel like people got to hear that. And so a lot of people were so scared. And I mean, seriously, like people who know God would just, and that hurts, you know, just to feel like that. They feel like you're kind of cowering at home and not sure what's going to happen and afraid for your family and your children. And no one should have to feel that way. And so I felt real sad that, um, that a lot of people, beautiful, robust people were just like strict, <laughs> you know? And so, so that, yeah. that definitely Long hurt place my home. heart. Huh? Say it again. Wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Uh, well, well, yeah. <laughs> but I think, but but you know, it's a, it's an example, though, right? You know, and I think that that God will use that in some way, um, yeah. you know, to to that will come out even stronger than ever, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Don't. Don't worship other men. That's that, that's never going to work out. We um. Yeah. We we encountered that um with a minister that was really close to us not too long ago. And we, we had to make some strong decisions about, okay, we had him on a pedestal and that's on us, you know? Sometimes you don't realize it, right? Until things happen. And you're like, right. what do you think can go wrong? He sets a standard and you're emulating him. And then, you know, he does this and you're thinking, okay, we worshiped him. That's on us. Right. You know, like, I know you that know. feeling. I mean, God's had to get on me because I, I don't, it's, it's, it's like you don't intend on it. Like you don't mean to be doing it. But I remember for me, because I know it was churches. Like I always assumed church would be safe, right? Like, oh, I find a church. I go there, hide in the church. It's great. And then I get hurt by the church. And I'm like, why am I getting hurt? And oh, I remember yeah. God spoke to me. There's no safe place but me, you know? And the yeah. place that's great tomorrow might not be great the next time you go because that's just not the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a hard lesson to learn. <laughs> but um. But yes, I know I've been just bending your ear for um, over two hours now, but this has been no, so great. <laughs> what, tell me, before, before we get off here, tell me uh, what languages you speak. Um, more or less, I'm a better than others, so English. Um, and then Spanish was what I went to next. And then in college, I picked up German, French, Italian, and Portuguese. And wow. um, as a family, we've been learning Hebrew. So even my little one and a half year old can oh, say, oh, <laughs> are you, are you, are you able? Are you fluent? Are you? I am fluent in German. Uh, I lived there for about six months, but not because I was speaking German. It's fine. I spoke a lot of English there, but um, I got used to speaking. I got comfortable. My grammar was horrible though. And so um, I'd say German, probably Spanish used to be more fluent. And then the German kind of got in there and they compete with each other. French used right. to be good. So it's one of those that um, uh, it could, it would be if I, I need to spend more time <laughs> um, doing, um, uh, speaking them, but God has given me a, an affinity. He actually reminded me when I went through my awakening or whatever you want to call it, or I call it, I call it the wilderness season I was in, where he's like, I gave you a gift for languages. I love people. I love all the people <laughs> and, and I love communicating with people. And so um, wow. Um, one of my favorite scenes from your movie was all the languages you were speaking. I'm like, yes, I want that to be me. Speak, Jesus, help me speak all the languages. <laughs> oh, that, oh, yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah, I'm fluent in nothing but English, but I, I just, I pick up, I pick up 
I can mimic really, really well. And you see, and then when you were speaking that, I was like, he's got to have a gift for languages. And I think that that, that means something. And you know, they say it's just supernatural. I have, I've had really good teachers. I have, no, I've had really good teachers that have taught me inflections and whatnot. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I've, I've never been, um, like I said, not, not fluent in anything else. I just do pieces and phrasing. And but whatnot. I bet if you were submerged, you would have no trouble. Maybe I don't. I really don't know. You know, because every place I've ever been in Europe, they were speaking English, so I had They'd no reason. Yep. To learn. Yeah. Why? What, <laughs> what? 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 Why did you pick up Italian? So um, it's funny. Funny you say that. So I, I remember I was going to be a lawyer. That was my plan. But I did not want to study government. I did not want to study any of that. And uh, I remember a lawyer told me when I was still in high school that you can study whatever you want when you go into um, college. And I, my goal, and it still is my goal now, is I wanted to speak all the languages that was ever possible. And I would love to work for the United Nations or in some way, um, you know, be able to, to help or communicate with the world. And so I started with Italian. I think it was my first one in college because I felt wow. like it was close to Spanish and it would be easier. And I, I, I knew it was very good at Spanish. Um, and then, um, I always like, loved the idea of French. French was very hard until it just got easy one day. Right. <laughs> and then German was really hard um, um, in a lot of ways. It was just a whole different um, uh, structure in your mouth, right? The way that linguistically, it's very different from the Latin-based languages. And so um, that I had to get kind of used. But I'm good at mimicking too. I have a gift. That's what I was going to say. You probably have a gift for languages too, because I noticed people like me tend to be able to mimic dialect. And I, what I've been meaning to, I'll pick up somebody's dialect and, and, um, and yeah, same, not to do that, thing. not to offend anybody, but I naturally mimic what people are doing and I can, I can hear, it's not called perfect pitch. I don't know what the name of it is, but I can hear a sound, whether that's a sound or someone speaking and I can do it, right, right. <laughs> you know, pretty that exactly. And other people who like languages do the same, they're able to do the same thing. And so, so then I picked, and then I did Portuguese because it just was logical because they had a port, uh, an accelerated Brazilian Portuguese program for Spanish speaker, speakers. So I'm like, okay, well, I have to take as many hours <laughs> of classes because they'll give me the accelerated version. So I had this whole plan because there was no language program at UT at the time. And so I was literally taking like 20 hours of languages for the first two, two and a half years probably for two years of college because wow. Um, wow. it was the first two or five mm -hmm. hours and then the second two or three hours and then you get into the upper division um, where you you know do more stuff and so when I went to Germany which was supposed to be France that was my original plan um, and it wasn't even through the school it was like I woke up one day well, I got a bunch of LSAT books because I remember I was going to be a lawyer and I was going through them and I feel like God kind of had a moment because he, he talks to me usually it's not audible I've had like one audible encounter with him, maybe two but um but this was just kind of in my spirit almost and i could hear him and he kind of showed me what my life would be like if i was a lawyer i'd be very very good at it but i wouldn't necessarily have a family i probably wouldn't like some of the compromises i needed to make and that's not really where he wanted me to go so i was like okay because i'm usually not very argumentative that's kind of my style i'm like okay so i just took my lsat books back to the library and i'm like well what now <laughs> and i'm like well if I don't take myself out of the country, I don't think I'll get able to go. So I'm like, I'm just gonna figure it out and take a break from school and go. So I start researching online, like, you know, what do I need? What credentials do I need? And then I was like, well, I'll go to France. So I'm looking, this is in 2004. 
And so I, I was looking at the list of countries and I was gonna pick France. Like that's the link I wanna pick, but the link didn't work. So I'm like, okay, EFG, Germany. Well, if that works, that's where I'll go. Where do I go? Well, the only country or only city or I know about is Berlin. So I'll just go there. <laughs> so, so I pretty much paved that path. I packed my dog with me and we didn't know where we were gonna stay. I didn't know anybody there. I just picked a hotel room for like two days and said, I'll figure it out when I get there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I went and um, I ended up, um, I did have a friend who did speak German. He lived, somebody I used to date actually, but he lived in a different part of the country. And um, he called around and found a realtor or whatever you'd call them there. Um, so he met me at, at one of the places. I was like, I, I'm, I'm checking out the hotel today. I have to find a place today. That's just my feeling. I have to find a place today. So I'm like, I don't care what it is. I'll just take it. And so he meets me in front and I've got my dog in a bag on one end and my backpack and my suitcases. And he's like, you're Kenichiara. And I'm like, yes. And he's like, I thought so. So we walk up like a bunch of flights of stairs to look at the place. And he's like, I don't think this place is for you. And I'm like, no, it probably isn't. And so he took me and usually I don't go with strangers, but I felt like I, you know, he seemed kind of safe. So he took me to his office with all my stuff where his business partner, another female, which I was glad to see, and they looked up all their available listings and found me the perfect place. It was on the ground level, which apparently is cheaper there because my, my dog, you know, need to go outside and everything. And it was very inexpensive. And he took me there, helped me unload my stuff. And then he took me for a glass of wine. So I got a place to stay. And then I'm like, okay, now I need a job. I don't have a visa, but I need a job. <laughs> so I like walked by, a, was a bar, like two houses down from where I was. And um, the guy was standing out there and I was like, so I need to a job. I just got here. I live right over there. And he said, we'll come back later. And then um, his, um, his uh, partner, she was there. Um, and he was like, um, yeah, come back. You're hired, whatever. And then she was like, if anybody asks you who you are, tell them you're my sister. <laughs> it's like, okay. And, and I pretty much got a job there that week. And then he, his, he helped me find um, resale shops to find the, to furnish my place because I didn't have anything there to sleep on or do. And so I found a place and got stuff. Wow. <laughs> and then was there for about six months. Didn't know how long I was going to be there. I just woke up one day and I was like, okay, it's time to go home. <laughs> Germany, all places. I know. <laughs> I know. But yes. And so that was a very interesting thing um, that I did. And I guess that kind of tells you a little bit of my personality. Sometimes I just jump into things. But you know, it was cool as I knew I was supposed to be there because the, the her name was Jennifer, the, um, the other person who owned that place. She, she didn't like me at first. Um, I think that there were situations with her and that, that guy, the partner there. And, um, and although I don't know about it, I can sense, pick up on something's not right. And so I kind of made a point to really um, show her that I wasn't a threat at all. And, um, and then towards the end and, and there, they just keep drinking at the bars. They just, they just keep on drinking. Like you start at six and they're there at six in the morning, still going. <laughs> so, so we were there at six in, in the morning. Really? Serious? Yeah. Yes. They just keep drinking. <laughs> I don't know how they before. do it. And so um, yeah. I was talking to her that morning. People were still there. People were coming in even. <laughs> and um, and she said she felt like I was an angel sent by God there. And she had kind of been asleep oh. and having a hard time and felt like she was kind of awakening back to herself. I was like 21. I was very young. <laughs> what a nice story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yes, me and languages. I want to speak all of them. <laughs> That's the goal. 
got a good start. All right. Well, I'm going to get back to editing. If you don't need anything else with me. This has been great. Or, we should do this more often just for fun. <laughs> no, it should be fun. Especially when you traipse back through Kentucky sometime. Thank you so much for joining us on Opting Out, guys. So glad you're here. Uh, so glad you came here, whenever it was. You were meant to be here. Know that you are meant to be here wherever you are. You are not some accident waiting to happen, as one of my favorite teachers, Derek Prince, says. Um, we hope you will join us again. We hope that you were able to receive something enriching for you or something you want to pass along or whatever, something that you found valuable for you where you're at in your life. Um, that being said, we hope to see you back here again soon. Um, feel free to reach out if you have any sort of communication questions, want to be a guest or whatever that is, however you are moved, um, feel free to reach out. Um, and we will see you again next time on Opting Out.